Today's show is brought to you by RX Bar. For 25% off your first order, visit rxbar.com slash GOT and use promo code GOT at checkout. Welcome to the Game of Thrones podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for Game of Thrones on HBO. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 7, Episode 3, titled Queen's Justice. The Queen's Justice. Which queen? I think I know. There's Yeah, there's two queens, and they're both dispensing justice. I mean, it, I, it, Cersei's the most obvious yeah. justice dispenser. Yeah, she gets the most justice. Yep. Dispensing straight out her butthole. Just <laughs> like your back home. Is that, I mean, is that a thing? Is that where it comes from? a lot of Rick and Morty lately. It's, a, oh, it's, it's right. a Rick and Morty joke. Mm, um, I don't get it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you should watch each episode a dozen times over okay. the last year. Um, okay. Uh, also, Danny has taken John prisoner. Like, I, I felt like that uh, her whole stance against John is pres- is, was very presumptuous. Um, however, she also has three dragons and a much larger army and a much better, clearer claim to the throne and is is not was not even informed about the war that he's fighting until he showed up. So I guess it all makes sense. From her perspective, this should be a done deal. Yeah, no, I I thought on second watch, this is, with a few minor exceptions, this is a really strong episode. It, um, it, yeah. has, a, it has a surprising amount of humor in it, yeah. and I felt it was much needed um, going into these, these final two seasons. We need to keep it at least somewhat light. You can't yeah. just have it be this downward spiral into pure blackness, right? which the palette seems to be going. So we need a little bit of tonal right. uh, lightning, which I think the humor did well. And I did enjoy the light Han soloing Lando Calrissian going on between Tyrion and, and Jon, because uh-huh. you're not That's sure good. if whether, you know... Uh, I don't know. I think Tyrion's doing a, a, a good job of playing um, the, the, the kind of the parent trapping of the two people. Uh, you do? Because I, I feel he's, he's like not doing. A, I will say that he's not doing a great job as hand. If we're just going by <laughs> the evidence of his, his, the fact that Cersei and Jaime are out plotting him, does not bode well for Danny's Danny's military adventure. She needs she needs uh, she needs people with more battlefield experience mm-hmm. uh, advising her. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the thing I took away from this episode is that Tyrion makes a great diplomat. He does not necessarily make a great military advisor. Yeah. Um, and that's evidenced by the double defeat, essentially. Right. Um, last episode and this episode, he gets served a heap and helping right. of uh, the with, Queen's with, justice without a boat full of without a boat full of wildfire and brawn. Uh, yeah, he, he he ate nothing. But that's so weird because, well, I guess, I guess he's got wildfire class weapons. He's just read it. He's he doesn't want to use them against the the people. Yeah, it's one thing to use them against you know, like if. If Danny were holed up in uh, the Red Keep mm-hmm. and all the citizens were, and it was just an army of, of assholes outside the gates, I'm sure he'd let fire the dragon. Oh so yeah, he's in a, he's in a tough spot. Yeah, he had no problem in Marine when she blew up a bunch of boats. Yeah, are we? So. Are, we're just discussing our general thoughts on the episode. I, I, uh-huh. I, I've started already jumped analysis. Sorry, I'm, rare, I'm, I'm yeah, yeah. Out a bit. Uh, there were some really really good shots. Um, some. 
excellent shots of like castles and cliffs and sea and that, that brooding cliff was amazing that was amazing yeah. i thought when we went to uh high garden there was like a particularly yeah, amazing of, shot of all the guys on the field the the field leading up to the castle oh that was a casterly rock right no, I'm talking about when, that when um, the combined turncoat yes, Tyrells yes. and Lannister armies was advancing towards it. That was great, but there was also a shot of like a a tower where there was a balcony uh-huh. kind of out looking over the sea yeah, 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 and the yeah. rocks, and it was just a beautiful shot. Yeah. Uh, and this show, you know, is kind of known for those, so the fact that this stood out means it was extra awesome. Yeah. I was slightly dis- – this while we're talking about the visual travelogue aspects, I was slightly disappointed in Casterly Rock. A lot of people were. I'm not a book reader, and I've never seen an illustration like, of like it, if you, so it If you've gone care. to any Wikipedia article, you'll see the kind of canonical illustration from, I believe, one of the um, – uh, uh, shit. Who, what's the, the board game company? Fantasy Flight. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like this big rock that's vaguely – it's like it's vaguely in the shape of a, like a sphinx with its head cut off or something. Like it kind of looks like it might mm-hmm. have – like, like it, it's not – a one to one, but it looks like it might have. You can see where like the Lion Association kind of came from. Mm-hmm. Um, this it just looked like a regular old castle. I mean, and that's the thing. The other thing, the fact that we didn't get a clockwork casterly rock. This is, you know, it's a yeah. I'm I guess surprised. I was unreasonably let down because, as Tyrion said, this is the seat. This is the the, the where the true power in Westeros and has been talked about a lot, but we've never seen it. And I thought, like, when we finally see it. It's going to be badass. And it was mm-hmm. just another castle, and it didn't even get a spot on the map. Like, yeah. people have no idea what fucking coast it's on. Like, in, in, you know, uh, I mean, if you've been paying attention, you should know that it's on the west side of, right. of, of Westeros. On the exact opposite side of It's Dragon on the western Westeros. But, King's Landing. Yeah. But you have to really have been paying attention to the dialogue and, you know, the, the, the province it's located in and all that. And I, I just don't understand why, since it's, it seemed like it was a vital... Uh, a vital point on the map that um, they didn't show it. Now, the cynic in me is like, because there's so much rampant jetpacking that maybe in the Double D's minds it's better to have that a little ambiguous. Mm-hmm. Um, Could be. Or it's just not going to be a thing for very long. It's like, yeah. okay, there's this one battle here, and then we move on. And right. we never see Casterly Rock again. I, That's just a bummer to know. me. I was a little bummed out about that. Or it could be that it's coming up next episode. Maybe there's like a bunch of scenes with Grey sure. Worm and stuff at Casterly Rock deciding what the hell to do. It's going to transform into a giant robot. <laughs> <laughs> sure, yeah. And it will march across the countryside That's right. faster than anyone thought That's right. possible. You've, the little known prophecy of Jamie waking stone lions from whatever. That's right. It's going to be crazy. Melisandre's on that. She knows. Oh, yeah. She knows what's up. Yeah, she's down there breathing fire. Uh, and then, of course, we get like a really, really great death scene from one of the most beloved characters. I think certainly one of my favorites, Elena. Um, were you disappointed that she didn't collapse as Jamie was walking out the door? I'm disappointed he didn't gut her from from guts to butts. Yeah, I, I like was, I wanted to see her right. it, it blood was a, spill after it, that Joffrey. It thing. was a great death scene, or it was a great death dialogue. But I felt like it needed an exclamation point, either. Jamie's like, well, talk all the shit you want, old woman. You're still dying, and that point made as she collapses when he walks at the door. Or, yeah, I was. You're you're right. You're right. Look, don't give her the the painless, satisfying death she wants. Oh, give oh, her the oh, my knife. son's my son's sword's called the widow's whale. Are, are right. you're in black? Are you a widow now? Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of surprised he didn't do that, but I guess he was just so shocked by look, the reveal. Look, look there. guys, it's a thorn kebab. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. Um, like I said, I. 
I, I still really like this episode, but some of the some of the technical and logistic details started started bothering me a little bit more on second watch. Hmm. Okay, I, I'm mostly overlooking that stuff because uh, yeah, you have to like, you have to at some point. Um, otherwise, you're... it's kind of like you know, like if 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 you're halfway through John Wick and you're just like, oh well, this this constant headshotting is preposterous. Right, right. Like, no man has you, that accuracy. Come on, you're, you're watching the wrong movie. Yeah. and you know, I I do feel like I feel the people that. I mean, this isn't exactly halfway through John Wick. This is like you, you've watched you've watched two hours and there's ten minutes to go, and it was a hyper realistic, you know, military political thriller. And then yeah. he just wins all his fights by headshotting everybody at the end. Like I, I feel people that are there. There is a there is a growing discontent with how much things are getting just thrown together and just just for sake of just just for sake of dispensing with plot and again mm-hmm. I, I i don't know that it's the double d's have suddenly forgotten how to tell a compelling tv story because um my first watches are always like very impressive and i think that maybe you know if, if, if my my their, their chief crime is that um you know they were handed this thing and forced to finish something they didn't want to do and you know we're overthinking it mm-hmm you know, it's like, uh, I, I, again, I, I don't know that the person to get mad at is at Double D's. The, the person to get mad at is George Martin because um, they have to wrap this up in, in two seasons. Yeah, I'm not actually sure why they're going with two seasons. I don't know why they don't extend this. If they've got so much to do, it's not like they can't well, afford the it, right? They're is, making money hand over fist with this thing. So. I, I do, but I think I, I've gotten the impression that the Double D's are over it. Well, and that's I, the thing. I wonder if that's not showing in the work because I do think a lot of this is – somewhat sloppy we'll talk about it when we get to the euron stuff yeah um i have my my nitpicks but overall i really like the episode yeah no no and that's maybe something we can talk we can expand upon later but i do like i i think i think the double d's are over it it's bummer for us as a fan that we're not getting the entire story that we probably deserve i again uh if i put myself in the double d's shoes it's hard for me to criticize them because they want to adapt this thing they were big fans of and they thought it would be finished and you know adaptation's already hard switching to original creative work in the middle is is mm-hmm. is even harder so i don't know it's uh that that's one of the the compelling things about these seasons is how unprecedented it is and and um you know what the different things that different fan bases want from it and and we never think about what the creators want and you know they're not slaves uh, they're no more our bitches than George Martin is. So sure. they were like, hey, you know what? We've been doing this for eight years, and it's been our life. Yeah. Like, it's going to be like, like you know, like like what a big part of your life, like college and med school is for doctors. This has been like Game of Thrones for us, and mm-hmm. we're, we're done. We want out. We're, we don't want any part of the fucking prequels or the sequels. We just want out and do other things. Yeah. We want to write for Always Sunny, and that's fine. <laughs> okay. That's yeah. fine. Okay, maybe we should get into the recap. Let's do it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, before we move on, uh, I want to talk about some housekeeping stuff. Uh, just remember, a uh, reminder, everybody, we got the spoiler edition of the podcast uh, coming out Friday, which, despite its name, it, it does not traffic in production spoilers. So anything 
Unfortunately, HBO got hit with another big leak. Yeah. Uh, the surfaced yesterday. Apparently, at least one in a future episode of Game of Thrones was stolen, if not more. Uh, be super careful as you're searching uh, out there. Like I almost got spoiled with a, a, a Facebook thing from from the leak. Uh, so it's uh, I it's don't hot. know. Yeah, it's like out there. It's, it's as bad as it's been since like two years ago when like the entire like the first four or five episodes were leaked. And yeah. It just, it just seems like it's just a shitty thing for the fan community because it's like now not everyone has the water cooler experience of Sunday night and some people know more and you don't know what they know and mm-hmm. it sucks. But to the extent humanly possible, we do not talk about that on the spoiler edition. It's just fun book de- – at this point, it's essentially just really fun book details that you wouldn't have gotten in the show that we use to try to figure out what's coming next or little historical details um, and like trivia from the books. It's 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 a lot of fun. Uh, so if you're an adventure some show watcher and you're not you're, you're not going to get your hair blown too far back by some obscure prophecies you'd probably enjoy listening to it um, that's coming out Friday as always uh, we also on Thursday night will be seeing the Dark Tower uh, Stephen King's uh, adaptation not not an adaptation uh, a loose sequel a prequel I'm not sure um, but of his beloved series the Dark Tower uh, it's got Idris Elba and Matthew McConaughey uh, mm-hmm. those are one A and one B of my kryptonite, so I'm excited about that. We'll have a full, uh, we'll have a, a spoiler-free review Thursday night and a full spoiler uh, podcast for the club members. I did a sh- uh, Twin Peaks podcast with uh, uh, David Lynch uh, fan and expert uh, Shane Bowman. Uh, I've done a lot of podcasts with him in the past. We did one last week, released it Thursday about uh, the classic series. We're going to be doing uh, an upcoming series about the the new The Return, Twin Peaks The Return. Uh, also this week, uh, Rick and Morty had its season three premiere, the first two episodes this Sunday. Jim and I will be talking about that on Bald Move Television, too. Uh, you can find all that stuff on baldmove.com. Uh, oh, also, for club members, uh, Wednesday, we got a new quip, Quit Your Pitching, yeah. coming out. Lots of stuff coming out this week of Bald Move. You can find it all on baldmove.com. We start off with John arriving at Dragonstone, and he's greeted by Tyrion and Miss Sandy, and she asked them to surrender their weapons and... Uh, their boat as well. He doesn't doesn't really agree to that, but it happens anyway. Uh, they comply and they head into the castle. And as they do, Drogon does a flyby on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a lot of good dialogue permission, here. Permission Tyrion to buzz the tower. <laughs> yeah, he didn't ask for permission. He top gunned it. Yeah, straight up top gunned him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's funny how they react versus how like Tyrion and Missandei and the other soldiers react because. They they react to it, but it's more like, oh, there goes Drogon right. doing his thing. Right. But John and Bravo, Davos hit the deck, man. Yeah. No, I mean it's for good reason. <laughs> well, I mean, imagine like if you yeah. like how hard do we get used to a super predator like that in the skies, like something mm-hmm. the size of a jumbo jet that you can just come screaming down and breathe fire on you. And it's it's also hard to not get the impression that dragons are just kind of fucking with them. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's like every time. Sometimes when I walk past my cat, she'll just reach out and like grab my ankle. I feel it's like you know, kind of like, hey, if you were one tenth your size, I would kill and eat you now. And I feel like the the dragons are doing that, except for they are, they are mm-hmm. like ten times bigger than humans. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I guess they don't. How does Danny treat? How does Danny teach them not to eat people or her people specifically? I don't know. It's that that connection, I guess. Yeah, she just says, "Hey, these are my friends." Yeah, go go eat some goats. Or yeah. maybe go fly to King's Landing. That's the other thing. She also doesn't want him flying. Can you imagine if she they just went, flew to King's Landing and started eating people or yeah. get or got themselves killed by these stupid crossbows? Like, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you do? What do you do about these dragons, man? Yeah, it was nice to see uh, John and Tyrion reunited. They they've always had a bit of a rapport um, that I enjoyed. Yeah, the reminiscing, like you know, anytime characters call back to things they've done many many years ago, I feel like it's rewarding as a, uh, as a fan because like we get those references, and it's nice that the characters do and the cre- you know the, which means the creators do. Mm-hmm. So having them not just be gen- generic like it's been a long time, like but specific interactions, um, them calling each other dwarf and bastard, and referencing Tyrion pissing off the wall. Yeah, that stuff that stuff is cool. I like and, it. And talking about you know catching up with with each other um you know Tyrion's talking about sansa i think he's trying to do a little damage control here yeah uh look john it, w- it was not my fault yeah, like, like i like, didn't want anything to do with it it like, was never consummated like just i don't know what she please. told you but from my perspective <laughs> right. uh yeah uh i thought that was handled pretty well especially since john is like he he kind of like uh, i'm ready to stop talking about it before it begins and Tyrion's like hey, uh-huh. i just, just wanted you to know <laughs> Yeah, and, and John doesn't have a great explanation for how he got to where he is either. Uh, what do you think is up with Missandei just shutting down Davos? Like, I felt like there was... I, here's the thing. I feel like the mind games began as soon as John, like, asking him mm-hmm. to give up his weapons, taking his boat, buzzing his dragons, having your advisor give your... your ha, like, Dan or um, Missandei and Davos are essentially equals and peers. Yeah, and she just cut shuts down his his small talk, not rudely, but with like a bemused smile. Like everything about this uh, situation is designed to tell John, "You are a small and insignificant thing. Look at this great and powerful Oz." Yeah, I really dislike the attitude in these throne room scenes. Yeah, um, it, I I understand where both sides are coming from here. Right. Like Danny doesn't know this guy from a hole in the ground. Uh, he's and, talking some crazy shit. She's not going to believe it. But at the same time, her her uh, positioning of herself is right. is incredibly stupid in my mind because I know why John's there. Yeah, but I get it. I get it. But on the other hand, I also think that Tyrion. Some of this is Tyrion's fault because yeah. John showed up to you know talk with the this this new queen. Uh, she is expecting him to bend the knee. So when she sees him come here and he's he's like it's um and since Tyrion did not see fit to communicate that knowledge it 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 creates a bit of bit of built-in friction because she's like well he's here so why would he be here if not to do the things that I ask him to do in the message. Yeah, Tyrion is the villain of this scene. Yeah. Between John and Danny. Yeah. Like it is a little troubling that this is how Danny decided to treat, you know, a, a potential respected ally. Like again, like I, I I don't know like asking asking your your liege lord to to bend the knee is not unreasonable but if that was the thing like if you thought this was going to be a cordial occasion and just going to why all the crazy intimidation mm-hmm. um, I don't know I, yeah it, no I I they're really leaning her in that Mad Queen direction she's talking about I'm the rightful ruler like I will sit on the throne I will rule I have faith in me yeah. like. I understand a lot of why she's saying that, but she doesn't quite understand how that comes across to other people. Exactly, and I thought that like what came out of her mouth when John confronted her with the fact that her dad, you know, murdered two of his family members. Yeah, uh, that sounded something very serious that that he hmm. would say, like, "Oh, well, of, of course, we'd like to ask for your official." pardon and forgiveness right and Uh, john makes a perfect point there when he says look you're not your father Uh and i'm not beholden to the oaths of my father so 
Exactly. Let's just dispense with all this bullshit and let's right. do what needs to be done for the realm. Right. Uh, maybe if Varys was in that room, it goes a little bit different because he could defend the realm a bit. But yeah, I had a lot of people in my my feedback ask why Varys didn't play a more proactive point about like. Actually, Your Grace, his father tried everything. He he resigned a handship to keep you from being assassinated. Uh-huh. Like that wasn't the way he rolled. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I I felt like uh, there again, there, there's a little bit of artificiality to making these characters um, bicker and fight. Mm-hmm. When they, I understand why they're doing it, but it feels like a pumping of the narrative brakes that they've already. It, it feels like they've slammed on the brakes since the beginning of this season. No, I mean, really, like, I don't have a huge problem narratively for from, like, this scene. What yeah. I have a problem with is being a fan and wanting to see these two come together and fight the Night King and yeah. kick some ass, and they're just not doing it yet. And, I, and and then that's also frustrating because it seems like between all their advisors, they have all the pieces. It's, it's kind of like watching a rom-com where, like... Yeah, if if the two protagonists would just fucking talk about the conversation, the situation for uh-huh. five minutes, it would be nothing. But instead, it's like, oh my god, all these stakes because nobody's talking. Like, why? Why is that not happening? Why is? Why does she privately talk to Tyrion? I guess she doesn't have the same level of trust in mm-hmm. Varys. Sure, um, but you know, he should be in the room, right? Yeah, I don't know where. I mean, he's up talking to Melisandre at that point. Yeah, I he's don't... more interested in because I know that's the thing. Like Varys, uh, I guess that's true to his character. He hates magic practitioners mm-hmm. with a passion. So maybe it's it's more important for him to shine her on than <laughs> to give his queen faithful counsel. Maybe, yeah, maybe that's at least consistent with his character, I suppose. Sure, I will talk about that scene in a moment. The one other thing that I had to note in the uh, meeting of John and Danny is how much. Danny is speaking for herself and saying, I'm important. Like, yes. I'm the one who's going to lead all these people. Whereas John doesn't say hardly a word here. You know, right. the the things that are spoken of John and his importance are spoken by Davos. And that's indicative of how, like, the people have chosen to make John the king, right? He hasn't chosen to make himself the king. Right. He doesn't care necessarily about that. What he's looking for is to try and save the realm. Right. Um, I just couldn't help but notice the the difference between the two there and that's what i felt she felt and this is actually i think intentional she felt ill at ease at this because it's not like she asked to be the khaleesi and the breaker of chains and the mother of dragons like most of the most of the things that she did were what she thought was in her people's best interests Mm -hmm. you know uh try to save cal drogo try to save their child who's going to be the stallion amounts the world try to take the cast offs of the kalasar and get him through the red wastes try to get him you know like she's she's tried to make the six and and to free the slaves to make the world a better place and now she's in westeros and you know she's smart enough to know that people aren't drinking secret toasts to their health like it's not she doesn't have as nearly as much mandate like now that she's in westeros she had she had this mandate to break the chains and to free the slaves and make people's lives better now she's in westeros she really is leaning on her claim her name claim mm-hmm. uh and she's smart enough to know how how weak that is but also that's you know she's that's the thing her her and john are both inexperienced and not ready for the moment they're in yeah, yeah but, that's true. You know, John's seen the Night King and she hasn't. That's 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 the difference between them. Yeah. Um, okay, let's let's back up here for a second. We kind of already talked about the John and Danny meeting scene, but we didn't talk about Varys and Melisandre. Um Varys meets her up on a cliff and he's questioning why she's avoiding John. She says, Look, I've made some mistakes in my past and we didn't part on good terms. Um so she's apparently leaving for Volantis rather than face John. Mm-hmm. 
And Varys says, oh, you won't be safe if you ever return to Westeros. And she said, I have to die here just like you. That, Very interesting. I'm thinking, no, not Varys. Yeah. Not Varys. He's my boy. I kind of feel like um, I slightly like Varys more than Tyrion at this stage. I like, Tyr- might agree with all, that. All the eunuch huh. jokes in season five and six uh-huh. and the fact that, Tyr- that, that Varys is always in his, his stirring speech about being for the realm because I don't know Tyrion has got a lot of like a lot of his ambition is like personal pride and proving his family wrong and proving his dad wrong in particular um where Varys you know he he had nothing everything he's gotten he had to work for Mm -hmm. and uh he yet he still wants to serve the realm he's like the he's the anti Littlefinger yeah who has amassed all this stuff just personally for himself you know, um, I think that's that's really interesting. And at some point along the way, I feel like I, I like Varys slightly more than Tyrion. And I feel like that maybe if, if Varys had, was in the hand position, uh, things might have turned out better. I don't know. I'd, I think I'd maybe rather be have... too cautious. I'd rather have Varys advising me. I'd rather have a beer with Tyrion. Yeah. Oh, for, for sure. sure. For sure. Uh, but it, it's super ominous. Like, I'm hoping that this is one of Melisandre's misplaced prophecies. Um, that's that she's true. seen something that she thinks lines up with Varys, but it doesn't actually because I don't want him to go. Right. I want him to stick around. Um, that's pretty much it up on the cliff. Also, they said the, 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 the I brought ice and fire together. Right. Like that's yeah. that's very close to, to to saying the title, but not quite. <laughs> right. Need the, there needs to be a song in there. That's that's where Sam needs to come in. Give it the poetic <laughs> title. He'll write a book eventually. He's probably writing it right now. Probably. Uh, so after the meeting with John and Danny, we go over to Theon, who's pulled out of the ocean. He tries to claim that he s- tried to save Yara, but the crew rightfully doesn't believe him. They right. call bullshit on that. Uh, and he's left on the deck to freeze and think about it. Oh, can we go back to Danny and John real quick? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we didn't talk more. It's been two more days to think about it. Why do you think that John is so hesitant to let uh, Davos run down his full full resume is it because the thing the you thing, mean where he cuts him off with a knife in the heart yeah my thing is like he's already asking him to believe something incredible right like i don't want us to sound like raving madmen yeah like i've got the army of the dead and like i'm i arguably am part of that dead army of the dead you know like i i i'm a guy that got resurrected maybe that that's the, that's the best i can come up with yeah so i i totally think that's the thing like we're asking we're making one big ask Let's not make two. Okay. Um, the the thing that throws the wrench in it for me is that Danny herself admits that crazy fucking things happen, right? right. Like people hadn't seen dragons for hundreds of years right. before I came on the scene, yes. and yet I birthed them. Yes. So really, you're gonna you're gonna really question that hard what but this guy's trying to on the other hand i guess danny has all of her evidence arrayed like uh, uh, all sure, it's all visible. that stuff that she yeah. said she says you've seen my dragons you've uh-huh. seen my my kalasar you've seen my eunuch army like mm-hmm. john is like well yeah but there's this bigger threat so you, it, you it, should also say and i've seen the night king and i've seen the white walkers but that's true he could like, say that but it's it's faith versus reason like for sure jamie or uh, danny's not asking for his faith uh john is yeah and she has faith in herself alone so um okay let's go on to euron he comes back leading his captives through the streets of king's landing and he revels in the cheers of the crowd he brings them to the Iron Throne, uh, where Cersei promises him everything he wants, 
once the war is over, of course, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and makes him commander of the, the naval fleet. And while the crowd cheers, you're on Taunt's Jamie. Uh, this, uh, I think this is a really good scene. You're on, like, I hate, uh, I love to hate you're on. Yeah, you yeah. Know, it's one of those things. And, and also, um, boy, Jamie is just, just always comes off the, the, the weaker on this because he, mm-hmm. he tries to be the elder statesman. It's like, oh, yeah, well, the raw, you know, let me tell you some, a thing or two about the mob. And yeah. then you're on, like, out real politics. I'm like, yeah, I just think they're like severed heads, bro. <laughs> also, does your sister like it in the bum? Uh-huh. Uh, and then, then as Jamie's like, you know, uh, incandescing with rage, he does that. Shh, we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk later. You think they're going to talk? Uh, there, yes. Quote, unquote, that, there talk. will be. There will be further. There will be further words said. I don't okay. know. Maybe, I don't. Do you think? I, 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 I don't quite have Euron figured out, honestly. Um, yeah, he seems to exist solely as a plausible way for Cersei to be stymieing the early parts of Daenerys's conquest, mm-hmm. um, and not even a not even a very artistic one at that. Because mm-hmm. um, again, I'm not I'm not going to bitch about jetpacking, but I want to speak for the people that are really bothered by it. Um, the timeline, as the show has us believe, which again indeterminate amounts of time can pass between any of these scenes however what's presented is he intercepts her, the danny's fleet outside of dragonstone mm-hmm. drags them back and does his victory procession and by the end of the episode has gone around sailed around the entire continent yep. in time to be at the exact position to destroy the rest of her fleet yeah uh now I guess there's no evidence that Euron was actually there. He could have like sent his men, but does that seem very Euron? And that's also me appealing to things that are not in evidence. Sure, because that's the other thing is like I got like 50 different emails about possible ways that Euron could get a thousand ships. I'm like, well, yeah, he also could have a matter replicator mm-hmm. in in <laughs> uh, he just that he's discovered in old Valeria and he's got right. installed. He's got on a pike. ship horn. He blows yeah. a horn and, and ships, ships come, come out, come yeah. out like a horn of a ship plenty. Like you, you <laughs> could, you could say many, many things. But I've in, seen the ship horn, Danny. <laughs> it's real. Trust me. It's in, and it's in his pants. Uh, oh, the, 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 I mean, that's the thing. Like if you, are, you can make up any story. But you're just writing fan fiction. Sure. And yeah. that's the thing is like you know I guess that's what the, that's what the double D has been saying all along is what double D's are doing. It's just it's officially licensed fan fiction. Uh-huh. And I hate it when it feels that way. So, like, I'm going to try yeah. not to talk about Jetpack in the rest of the episode, but but there it is. Yeah, I wonder what they're doing with Euron beyond that, because he's definitely set up as a foil for Jamie at this point. Like, he is getting under Jamie's skin. And right. I don't think he can just kill Jamie. I don't think Cersei would tolerate that. Well, but, but he might be able to make some kind of claim of self-defense if he can go Jamie into making a, a mistake. And here's the here's that I think this is a little bit self-inflicted wound from the fan fiction. Um, I think they've kept Jamie on Cersei's side way too fucking long. Yeah, and they need something like Euron to be like a flaming stick in his eye to provoke him into. Some kind of rift between him and Cersei because I thought the wildfire was going to be that. Honestly, yeah, but. yeah, like you burnt half this. Like I literally slew the other king to stop that. Like mm-hmm. how can this still be cool? But um, I, 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 I don't know. I feel like that was um, that's a, that was a flaw in their approach that they they kind of seeded back in in seasons four and five, and uh, now they need something like Euron to solve a bunch of their bunch of their different sins. Um, yeah. So what are you going to do? I mean, do? if they're even going that way, you know. That's they, true. They might stay true blue to each other till the end. That's true. I could have completely misunderstood the arc of Jamie and, and Cersei. 
or they're just not doing that in the show. Yeah, you know that's also that's also possible. Um, so then we go to Cersei taunting Ilaria in the dungeons uh, before kissing to death the final sand snake with the same poison that Ilaria Tyne. used to kill Marcella. Tyene, is that her yeah. name? Um, I never bothered to learn their names. And it, it, this is the thing that bums me out because I thought that Tyene and Ilaria did excellent in this scene. I thought Ilaria, the actress who played Ilaria, crushed it in this scene. And, I, and I, I know I've mentioned this in years past, but I read another article where they, t- they interviewed the Sand Snakes and just how bummed they were that the fans didn't like them. And it's not your fault, guys. It's <laughs> your totally... dialogue was terrible. And this 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 scene is getting like I forgot that Alaria was good. Mm-hmm. You know that like that I forget the actress's name, but she she really with nothing but her eyes and her body language is emoting the shit out of this. And like yeah. man, if they gave like like you think if they gave her and uh, you know uh, Prince Doran, I can't remember Doctor Bashir's name, um, <laughs> Julian something or other. Yeah, Julian Assange. It's, it's like, it's, <laughs> If they just given them some leaks, uh, yeah. now we got it. Uh, if, if you know, if like if, if if the material they gave it was the bad, it wasn't any. I don't think it's any one of these individual actors, and it's really it's really tough to like get cast this and be so excited. And they were they were so pumped for what they thought was going to happen, and then everybody hates them. And it's nothing that they did wrong. It's just the material they were given. Yeah. So um, just want to say it's not your fault, guys. Uh, it's too bad the Sand Snakes were. We're, we're kind of botched. The whole Dorn thing got botched, um, but at least they yeah. gave you two uh, a pretty good, pretty good. They gave Mama Snake and Baby Snake a pretty, pretty good out. <laughs> they did, and I've I've never really had a problem with Alaria uh, as a character. I thought she was good um, and well written. Uh, her scenes, you know, back when Oberyn was still alive, were really mm-hmm. good. Yeah, it's really just the Sand Snakes. Yeah. Um, but that's not what we're here to talk about. Uh, you can see from the very first moment that Cersei steps on screen, speaking of actors who crushed it in this scene, mm-hmm. uh, Lena Headey does another incredible job here, just being so... so uh, I, I don't even know the word for it, but there's something that you, like... This is the Queen's justice, right? She yeah. deserves this moment, I think, yeah. even though she's a monster of a human being. Uh, all of that comes through on the screen with her performance. It's great. Right. But, you know, the thing is, is Alaria. Cersei's got a point. That's what I mean. Yeah, like like Oberyn, Oberyn brought all this like onto himself. You know, that's mm-hmm. the thing that was always frustrating. Like he was such an awesome character, but he shit the bed yeah. when you know instead of instead of just you know being content to strike a blow at House Lannister, he had to get the whole thing. He had to get a complete, total, and psychological victory over them, and he got himself killed, which yeah. just directly led to this moment. Um, and. You know, Cersei's a, a scorpion. You can't you can't blame a scorpion for stinging. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And you play the Game of Thrones. You win or you die. These people are going to die in particularly horrible, horrific ways. Uh, yeah. The I mean, I don't know. This is any worse than a nun being fucking raped and abused repeatedly by some zombie. Oh no. I don't know if it's no. any worse than it's blowing a, up <laughs> hundreds, if not thousands, of innocent people around the sept of Baylor. Yeah, that's and, more and the, the seat of religious faith for an entire continent. Like mm-hmm. that's that's pretty repugnant shit. Oh yeah, Cersei's the worst by far, but uh, she does deserve this moment because Marcella was a casualty of of Ilaria here, and I don't think Marcella deserved it at all. Oh no, God, no. So, and neither did also also Ilaria. Uh, neither did Tristane. Dorian's right. son. Right. Uh, so so some of this is you reaping what you sow. 
Yep. You, you you stepped a little bit. You gazed at the abyss of Cersei's butthole too long, and it gazed back. There you go. Now, speaking of reaping what you sow, I can't help but notice the symmetry here of pointing out that Oberyn got killed as he was gloating uh-huh. because he was gloating. It was his downfall. Now Cersei's doing the same thing. Like, maybe maybe take it down a notch, Cersei. Cause I, think, you're... I think she's just sharpening her diplomacy when the inevitable meeting with her and the Night King. Like, she's got to master this gloating-based language. And uh-huh. it's like Picard in that one episode where he was, you know, just trying to get it just right. <laughs> right when the ambassador's coming. She, yeah. she, he, he, she, she has to get this gloating just right so that she can treat with the Night King when he comes down. Yep. Uh, okay, afterward, Cersei goes to bang Jamie. Uh, the next morning, there's a knock on the door. Cersei opens it to reveal the relationship to this messenger. The who Romulan, says, Romulan sub-commander that, yeah. that came to, to, <laughs> yeah. to, 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 to tell her what's up. Uh, yeah, she came to say that the visitors from Bravos have arrived, which means Iron Bank is here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cersei just being super cavalier about this whole relationship. I think she can be. Like I, I think so. Uh, the one thing they kept on showing is that, like, every time I, I thought it was striking when she was addressing the lords of, you know, the, the, you know, the lords and ladies of court, how small, like, you compare to, like, when, uh, like, 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 when Sansa and Joffrey's wedding was announced, and, like, there was just, it's just the hall was packed, and, like, the antechambers were packed, and the balconies were packed, mm-hmm. and now there's, like, three dozen people standing in, and half of that is the Tyrell, the Tyrell people, um, I feel like that there's really like everyone that was anyone was at that 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 trial, and now there's nobody <laughs> left to oppose her. I do think she can do what she can, what she'll please. Yeah, that's the thing. You look at how many people were packed into that sept. Yeah, how many people she blew up, and we know like uh, Kevin Lannister, uh, Mace Tyrell, like uh, there there was just tons of people that were all the, the a lot of the nobles. Yeah, been in there. yeah. Yeah, and it it's... and and their families who weren't in there would be rightfully pissed, right? So... And you also think that, like, I mean, I guess can she do anything? Like, no, because eventually the people will rise up and eat her if they're starving. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's probably not a good look that she vaporized again. You know, whatever the lords and ladies believe, the small folk are super pro gods. Yeah, um, and that's that's that that's got to be something that's seen as an open insult. So no, she's not totally safe, but I don't think she has to worry about her servant girl seeing her bone and her brother at this point. Yeah. Especially since that's kind of been an open secret for for years now. Right. They just wouldn't Stan, admit it. Stan has put her on blast back in season two on uh-huh. this with all those ravens. Yeah, I mean, Ned did. Yeah. Stannis that's did. That's what I'm saying. Everybody It's, it's kind it. of an open open secret at this point. Euron her fucking dad. knows it. Euron's <laughs> been sailing the, se- the, the 17 seas or however many seas there are in Westeros. Yeah. Westeros has, has too many seas. For, Seven's yeah. good enough for Earth. Why do you need 29 or however many it was? Uh. Uh, then the guy from the Iron Bank, I don't know his name, he meets with Cersei to warn her that they're planning to back Danny if they don't get their gold back. Uh, Cersei makes a case for why they should support the crown in the war instead and promises a full payment within a fortnight. Two weeks. That gives us an idea of the, uh, that does give us an idea. Two weeks is certainly long enough to sail around Westeros and flank another Mm -hmm. army. So there's my, there's my own rebuttal to my jetpacking. Yeah. Hmm. I don't. I guess I don't know how exactly they timed it, because uh-huh. um, there's no like direct link between the timing of 
the Casterly Rock stuff and the timing of the no. High Garden stuff. So we just know sometime between the next two weeks she'll yeah. have the gold, and we see by the end of the episode she has the gold. She has the you, gold. you saw that in subsequent watches. I like, did. Jar- Jamie just, just marching past full, yeah, of gold chest bricks. of gold brick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> gold, it's it's a lot of money. It is tons of money. He's like, well, shit. No wonder our minds are empty. The Tyrells have got it all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was the deal, right? They paid them gold yeah. in exchange for their crops right? Um, to feed troops and civilians. And now they've just, like you said in the instant take, th- this is a great, great idea for them. Right. And, and you Trade, 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 and then rob the port when it's, when it's, when it's out, out of goods. It, it's interesting that Elena questions, like, why Tywin didn't just do this the moment the gold mines ran dry. And I think Tywin is actually a more decent human being than Cersei. Not only and that, he could have done this, but he chose not. There to. was no percentage. Like, like as long as I can secure the Tyrells' undivided loyalty by marrying my my grandson off to their daughters. Yeah. Like, why and would he I? Gains their armies. If if if, if Jamie lost a hundred dudes in yeah. fighting, that's a hundred dudes that Tywin wouldn't have lost because he'd have them on the hook for for generations. Right. Like their money would be his money, and he'd have to defeat their army, and their army could be useful to him. Exactly. In, in an alliance. So that's why, like, I think I think uh, the banker of Bravos is sucking uh, Cersei's uh, dick a little too hard here because there's no way Tywin would be put in this position. There's sure. no way. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's of, of all the, the terrible choices left before you, you're picking the best of the terrible choices, but still there's no way time would have been put in this position. Mm. Then we go over to Tyrion and John brooding on a cliff. Uh, Tyrion's upset because he can't brood as well as John does. Um, they're discussing their various problems. Tyrion tries to defend Danny a little bit and then encourages John to ask for something more reasonable, and John just doesn't get it. Yeah, he tries multiple times, multiple paths, and finally just has to say it. Uh, ask for ask for the dragon glass, you dummy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I enjoyed this scene a lot, especially the humor from Tyrion. You know, you've I came up here to brood about my failure. You make me feel like I'm failing at brooding. It's very it's it's, it's very very meta too, because yeah. like you know that's that's one of the things people say about oh he's just brooding. He's uh, Kit Kit Harrington's uh, portrayal of John. He's just a brooder. He's a yep. good looking brooder. I like it. I do too. Then Tyrion goes to Danny and says John's asking for some dragon glass, and he convinces her to give John the glass. Yeah, I mean, I, it shouldn't have been hard because I felt like both of these leaders need to be led to the water a little bit more. It's like, look, if it's valueless and you didn't even know you had it, you can give him and, and take that right. first. Like, you can take a, a symbolic first step that costs you nothing mm-hmm. um, to, to start winning his trust. Because otherwise, he can leave and neither of you have anything. Yeah, like I said, I think Tyrion's a great diplomat. Um, just not great at the military strategy, apparently. Yeah. I also wonder is there, if there's going to be a plot point with the fact that uh, Dragonglass will be more valuable than gold. Like like John, because I'm starting to look at all the different things that we've been we've been said. Like John made that statement, like Dragon Glass will be more valuable in gold in the winter, and Sansa talking about like food and and the Reach has food and the Reach has gold and like all these connections. Kind of like they they got to be obvi- they got to be intentional. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm trying to put the pieces together. Not not quite there yet, but I'm just I'm just noticing. I'm in the noticing stage right now. Yeah. The, the pieces will come together eventually. Like, like, is that going to be a way that Cersei, like, will, will will Cersei eventually be brought into this larger coalition? 
against like the she'll Night King. like like the Night's King, and she doesn't have obsidian, and she's got all this gold, and like they're gonna is a way for them to pry food out from the Red Keep for the the North or. I can't see Cersei working with anybody. Well, I mean, I don't think she would be true blue about it, but I can mm-hmm. see her being, you know, I just wonder if that's going to be a something that the, the, the dumber good guys are going to fall for, the fact that, like, oh, yeah, I'll <laughs> trade. Yeah, we need this obsidian. Or I, I don't know. Uh-huh. There's just something John, She's there. going to invite John to come and treat with her, and right. he's, he's going to accept, oh, we, she's got the something we need. I right. don't know. Let's right. go there. <laughs> Well, I mean, she's, she's got food. Him. Like, that's the thing. Like, the only food game in town yeah, in, in, in the country is the Lannisters now. Yeah. And every, like, everyone's going to need Dragonglass. They don't know it. But everyone needs food, and everyone knows it, especially mm-hmm. the North, because they're going to face the brunt of the winter sooner and harder than anybody else is. Yeah. So that's got to be significant. And I also really like in this scene uh, the humor between Danny and... Tyrion, where he says, oh, yeah, a wise man once said, and she's like, are you trying to pass off your own statements as ancient wisdom? Was he? I think so, yeah. Then he, so, because totally. I don't, so do you, you think he lied to her, but he, like, joke lied, so it's okay? Yeah, yeah, All he right. tongue-in-cheek told her what she wanted to hear. Okay. And I think they both knew it. All right. I th- I think you're right. I thought it was a little ballsy. I thought yeah. as he was doing it, it's like, you know, maybe you should just say, uh, I've always thought. Or I've always said, because mm-hmm. uh, she clearly respects her intellect. I don't think you have to pass it off as, as ancient wisdom. <laughs> but anyway. Uh, then John meets Danny on a cliff, and she says, she hasn't changed your mind, um, and neither has John, but she'll allow him to mine the dragon glass and help him do it. She's going to give him... I mean, I guess John's just going to go back with mounds of dragon glass. You know, Apparently so. Fashioned into weapons, probably already. Apparently so. But he's not going to be allowed to leave at this point either. Like I feel like the like. Well, it's going to take some time to mine. That's that what I'm saying. Yeah. Like he's going to still be on Dragonstone for a bit, so him and yeah. Danny can still have these talks. I did like that. It was an odd moment when they bond, bonded over their two lost brothers because they implied that John's only lost two brothers. Which, mm-hmm. I mean, Rickon for sure is is dead. Rob and for Rob sure is, is for dead. sure dead, and everyone thinks that Bran is dead. Like Except I almost, John, who has seen him. No, Bran saw John. John did not see Bran. Oh, you might be right. So I, hmm. I felt like that's a little bit of a continuity error that, like, you know, everyone thinks that Bran's dead and he's not. Mm-hmm. And I almost wonder, like, maybe this was shot, this because this happens in television, especially Game of Thrones, where everything's being shot simultaneously. I wonder if this scene was supposed to be after John knows his brother is not dead. And it just in editing, it got assembled before, so it's because that's the only thing that explains it. Like she should have said, "Oh, and you've lost. I've lost two brothers, but you've lost three. Maybe John's looking for confirmed kills only. Ma- ma- yeah, I was gonna say maybe <laughs> in Essos, it's like he's just missing an action instead of like pres- actually. But I, yeah, I don't know. I, the, how many? That's the other things. Like, did they ever? I, I genuinely don't know if they if if the realm at large knows that Theon bullshitted about killing. Uh, well, I mean, I guess they do because they found they actually found uh, Rickon alive, mm-hmm. and he was killed later. So that would put the lie to fact of both of them. So maybe, maybe it is yeah. they're just missing. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so John's going to get. You know, you can't always get what you want, but you might get what you need. Uh, John's going to get the dragon glass. It's yep. just going to take some time. Uh, then we go over to Sansa, who is running Winterfell like a boss, i got to say. Mm-hmm. She says they need to build up the grain stores because tons of people might flee to Winterfell in this long night, in this winter. Um, she also says they should cover the armor in leather 
which I guess is an astute observation. Yeah, I didn't. I'm assuming that's just to make it more uh, insulated. Yeah, more like uh, you don't want plate steel right against your your skin. But I wouldn't think that you would go naked underneath your plate steel anyway. Yeah, I'm probably gonna wear something under it. Maybe it keeps it like from sticking together. Like if it gets uh-huh. like you know, uh, you t- I, don't, I don't know. I don't know how armor works, but. Uh, you know who does? Jan Royce. He was super yep. impressed with her suggesting leather covering, and that's what we're supposed to understand. Yep. Someone wants to give me the uh, the creative anarchist uh, uh, the guide to metal, leather or metal weaponry than and, and armor. Then I'll I'll be happy to read it. Uh, I couldn't believe that the Maester uh, didn't know the longest winter in record off the top of his head. I had the same. I, notes. I could what, not believe. I have my notes. What kind of bargain basement <laughs> yeah. Maester Wolken we got here? That like that should be. Yeah. Really? I, I want Lewin back. Yeah. Honestly, he would have known. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Like it's that's the thing. You know, you you you've not even though winter is coming and it's it said you, you just don't right. know. Right. You've got a, You've got the king in the north off getting dragon glass to fight the walkers and you don't know how long the last winter right. was. Right. Come on, man. Yeah. Like, you were probably alive for it too. Yeah, she's not asking like what's the best beach on the southern island to hit. <laughs> right. Like well, I can it understand like they're to party, you're there to relax. Like <laughs> right. Is it ja, spring break? Or is... is Ja Rule organizing this event? Or <laughs> you know, it's like I, I feel like that uh, uh, he should know that. He should definitely know that. That should but be he something. The, in, the information he has at his fingertips. I'm I'm skeptical of this uh, Wolken guy. Me too. He's on he's on watch. And I don't mean the night. I think his watch. first name's Christopher. Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken. <laughs> I doubt well, it. Uh, da- no, I can't do a walk and forget it. Uh, and then Littlefinger tries to get a finger hold on Sansa by advising that she consider all the possible outcomes of the it's, war. It's his, men- it's his mental Churchill speech. Yeah. You must yeah, fight them much. in your frontal lobes. You must fight them in your <laughs> cortexes. <laughs> uh, yeah. You must fight them on your hypocanthus at all times. Be fighting mental battles. I mean, it's a good, it is, is a good speech. It's a good speech, and I think it's a, lot, a lot good of people, strategy. A lot of people um, gave it shit coming out of uh, Comic Con, but I thought you right. astutely pointed out that in context, it was it, it it came off as not as desperate and more of. I mean, I it I, I kind of back to like trying to decide how much he really cares about Sansa and wants to see her succeed. Right, I do think this is good advice, and I think that that's the thing that they're forgetting. Right, is that there is that there are two wars here happening. Yes. And you cannot ignore right. the possible outcome from the South just for the sake of the North. Right. Especially since it's all in your head. Like, you know, he's not even saying you have to do anything. But if right. you're not even – if you're refusing to think about it, you're putting yourself and your people out of uh, – you're doing a disservice to them both. And you might miss an option that that can solve both problems at the same time. Right. You know? The only thing – the only problematic thing is that I know that Sansa has seen Littlefinger scam a woman – like, like to to you know bullshit her with flattery and lies, and then throw her down a moon door. Like yeah. she's seen this stuff happen, and to the extent that I think he's being true blue, and he's like, is, how much of that is just an act? And he's, I've seen him do it before. He'll probably do it again. Is I'm, he doing it to Sansa right now? I'm kind of waiting for the reveal that this was all part of Littlefinger's plan. Could be like the to lose the trust of Sansa only to try to re, to look like he's trying to regain it. Right, is part of his master plan somehow. No, I'm, I don't I'm, know. I'm, but... I'm scared because I got a lot of feedback the last couple of weeks. Like you guys are really underestimating Littlefinger, and you're like, yeah, you kind of. I'm like still old, waiting for his. It's it's turn. just it's purely a meta argument that he mm-hmm. has to get to the end of his rope soon. Like sure. 
Yep. There's nothing in the Game of Thrones that says that he can't even be the prime minister <laughs> right. when all this is done. Like I don't think he'll be uh-huh. on the Iron Throne. I don't even think he'll be an Iron Throne. But he like that would be that would be pretty funny. All right. Um, and then I mean, Robert, Robert the Bruce was the hero of Braveheart after he let you know betrayed Mel Gibson has guts torn out. Like sometimes, uh-huh. sometimes uh, your heroes aren't always what you want them to be in your history books. It's true. Uh, Sansa's told there's someone at the gate, and she is reunited with Bran, who doesn't even bother, doesn't even lift a finger, let alone two arms, to give her a hug. Yeah, I think, I I mean, clearly, when I've watched this more, they, they're trying to imply that Bran is the three-eyed raven now, something he wasn't ready for, something he wasn't prepared for. Um, and it's made him weird. He is essentially <laughs> him weird. Yes, he's essentially uh, a Doctor Manhattan in a, cri- in a, in uh-huh. a crippled body. Yeah. Um, I do think that they could have done a better job showing his la- lock, lack uh, loss of humanity, so it's not as jarring. Because mm-hmm. that's the thing. It's not like you know, fucking um, speaking of Doctor Manhattan, the the Watchmen movie showed Doctor Manhattan losing his m- yeah. humanity in a, like a five minute montage. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I buy, I buy that. Like you, when you have this like unlimited cosmic intellect and uh, access to all timelines, it would make you, it would make you fucking weird, and you would have a hard time relating with people, and you would hurt yeah. them in, in ways that you wouldn't even consider. Because you know that's the thing. Like the uncomfortable Ugh. thing about Doctor Manhattan is like his girlfriend's giving him shit for you know doing a three way with her while he's working on his top secret reactor next door. But like. Right. He, he, he's, you're a child compared to him. Mm-hmm. Not even that. It's like some kind of fucked up bestiality. He's on another ascended plane and he's just, uh-huh. just fucking with you out of being polite, essentially. Yeah. You can't really hate him for it. So I feel like they could have done a better job sh- showing Bran go down that path, but it is, I, I, I think it makes sense. Yeah, I, I do understand. And I think most of what Bran does here, like, I, uh, so, okay, I guess this, first of all, this is the reason that Bran mm-hmm. did not send, like, a raven or something. He was on his way down here right. from the jump, apparently. Right. Um, he was just going to show up, you know, surprise everybody. Um, <laughs> but then this conversation he has under the tree with Sansa. Uh-huh. Yes, maybe he is the Dr. Manhattan of this situation, but does he not? How far has he gone down that road? Because he doesn't seem to understand that this memory would be difficult for Sansa um, when he says, oh, how beautiful you looked on your wedding night. That was the worst fucking night of her life. But I do think it was his fucked up way to, you know, it's it's like... Why would he bother to try and compliment her and tell her how beautiful she looked if he couldn't also understand how fucked up of a thing happened to her that night? It's like, I I, I mean, it, it, it's, it's if the Blood Raven or if the Three-Eyed Raven is like a mantle that he inherited and as soon as the old man died, like that stuff just jammed into his brain, mm-hmm. it... It might have like you, you see what something like that did to Hodor. Mm-hmm. Like in a in, like Willis went from being Willis to being Hodor and the flip of a switch. Right. So of all that current jam through, like again, I don't think they did a great job of explaining this. Yeah. But I'm I'm just saying that like post fact, if you if you want to say like that all this stuff got jammed into his skull and every single time he touches a weirwood now he gets another another jolt of this electricity. Um, the the the, the fact that he is kind of like. I understand I'm supposed to do something to be loving as a brother here, but the inputs like he's like he's like a now a highly functioning autistic person, and he has no he has, he 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 he's got these all these jumbles of memories and emotions. And yet he and can recognize what a beautiful 
what a beautiful visage she was in that moment. Yeah. But he can't recognize what a horrible thing happened I mean, isn't to her Isn't that what it's later. like to be like Asperger's or uh, autistic is to have the emotion and the intellect kind of divorced from each other? Like I can recognize this as a pretty dress. I don't I, I don't get the context of you being raped that night. Okay. In your own home. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm just saying. Again, but I don't know how that lines up with where where Brent is on the spectrum. Yeah, no, he's totally. On, he's at, again. He's pinned at three-eyed raven. Like the, the needle has gone all the way around. Yes. Again, uh, they could have done a much better yeah. job at the transition, but I do feel like that's that that's how. Now, what will drive me crazy is if he, like, they go away from this. Oh, yeah. Like, I, he I has, if he has some that. kind of emotional breakthrough. And I, I don't know because they nah. keep on – uh, they keep on showing Mira and how worried she is, and I, I've I've long thought that the reason they've kept Mira around is that she is going to serve as some kind of bridge back to humanity. That he's going to be mm-hmm. tested in some ways because you see, it's, so a guy who can say you you looked really beautiful the night that Ramsey tortured and raped you mm-hmm. is the same kind of guy that could talk to the Night King in a vision and be like, okay, I see your point, you know. Like, mm-hmm. like if you lose your humanity, like maybe the Night King's proposal of whatever he's going to do. We haven't got there. I don't have any book knowledge. I don't have any. You know, like, like I think they're laying the point to where when you see Bran start to go down this this path, if he goes down this path, it's not going to be a giant what the fuck moment. I wish they had right. had another five or ten minutes here and there where they could show the, his Try- descent. Right, like trying to avoid a what the fuck moment down the line with a what the fuck moment right. is maybe not the best strategy. Right. But... Yeah, I, I see your point. Um, it could be that we are looking at the Night King very differently than right. Bran will. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, anything else you want to say about Bran and Sansa under the tree here? Uh, nope. Okay. Then we go on to the Maester examining Jorah, who says uh, he started feeling better just out of the blue. Uh, the Maester pronounces Jorah well and releases him, and then Sam... Um, then he tells Sam he'd like to speak with him later, and Sam asks Jorah where he's going. Jorah says, "I'm going to be with Danny again." Sam shakes his hand before he goes. Nice moment. Jorah possibly shoring up her military weakness. Okay, maybe I don't because he. Fought, I don't know how good they, is they, he. They, I mean, he has combat experience because they talked about um, him fighting in Robert's Rebellion and and with right. some distinction. So. The fact that, like, Tyrion really has one battle that mm-hmm. he's been in. Yeah. It was a doozy, and he employed weapons of mass destruction, but it's not, you know, he's not like like Jamie or, or Randall Tarley. Like, Jorah might be that solid kind of, like, you know, nuts and bolts and, and, and logistics and, and strategy and tactics kind of guy that she's lacking right now. Could be. Because Varys ain't yeah. that guy either. Nope. Grey Worm's not really that guy. Grey Worm's mm-hmm. a great... Uh, I, I think he's a he's a good leader, but I don't know that he's got the the. He was never taught. Stra- like no, they, they he's don't, great they, at execution of other people's exactly, strategies. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And I think it's like I'm not. I don't think it's any disrespect to say that someone has been taught their whole life to be that. It it would take more than a couple of than a year or two to get all that. You know, to be able to think for yourself sufficiently to to have that kind of grand strategic vision. Mm-hmm. Now. Jorah doesn't have that either, but he also wasn't trained from from an early age to not have it. So, right. I just wonder if he, you know, there's a couple of things that Jorah could be. He could be the thing that makes Danny realize John's not a bad guy. Uh-huh. Uh huh. He could be her military advisor. There's a lot of things. Hell, she could. She should send. She should send for Dario. Dario <laughs> would probably be better at, yeah. uh, or at least a good counterbalance to, mm-hmm. to Tyrion. Yeah, Dario. Hmm. Dario's sneaky. 
he's sneaky. He struck me as a guy that you want doing your espionage. Right. Um, I, I know that, like, Varys is very good at that, but right. his network is sort of cut off. It is. I don't know how much of his network he has left because he seems to have some of it. Gendry needs to stop buying his rowboat, <laughs> row him over with a, ba- with a bag full of sweets, uh-huh. and he needs to start winning those birds back to his side. Uh, I, and I thought this was a good moment. Sam has, you know, faith in in himself, much like Danny does, that mm-hmm. he has done the job correctly. Yeah, and that when he shakes Jorah's hand, he's not instantly going to come down with grayscale. I thought, and that's you know, that's a big thing for Jorah. How long has it been since he's had yeah. human contact? A long time. I mean, it's like a little bit of the, you know, the Jesus boat. curing the leper kind of moment. Yeah. And he goes for the double hand grab because he, he's, he hasn't been touched for, for since since the Stone Men. So yep. I thought that was uh, that was nice. It was a nice moment between the two. It was. Uh, then the maester uh, later that evening scolds Sam for treating Jorah, but also congratulates him on the success of this difficult procedure. And his reward is he gets to stay and clean the scrolls of paper slash flesh mites. Mm-hmm. Paper mites apparently love flesh as well. Yeah, they should really be a flesh mites. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they'll they'll make dudes like I I you know like I eat tofu right, <laughs> but I certainly don't prefer it. Uh-huh. I'm not a tofu of war. I'm uh-huh. a, a carnivore. So I what's going on in these rotting scrolls? Is this is this Archmaster Ebros's middle path to letting Sam through to restrict? Like I I Could wonder be. if these yeah. are very select old scrolls. They're clearly very old, yeah, because uh, they're rotting. Because I was, I guess I was surprised. I thought that Sam would be kicked out because of this, and then that would free him up to do whatever he needs. But it seems like there is yet more things for him to learn at the Citadel. I hope and so. old rotten scrolls that no one's looked at for God knows how long seem like the type of place. Yeah. I guess my only question is, is Ebros in on it? Because it seems like he's got a newfound respect for Sam, and he was not inclined to just dismiss you know, his, his thing was like, not like, Oh Sam, you're worried about nothing. It's more like have perspective on what you're worrying mm-hmm. about. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a, a good way for Sam to go. You know, it's always been his, his head that's made him different than everybody else. His, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's a bookworm and yeah. he likes that stuff. And I think if he can get an opportunity to excel through that, that's a great way for his story to go. He's the paper mite. Just devouring scrolls one after another. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then we go to Danny, who tells her advisors that she wants to go after Euron ships on her dragons. They think it's a bad idea because she's too valuable. Tyrion describes the attack as it would go down if it were straightforward. I'm talking about Casterly Rock here. Yep. Um, he also describes it exactly um, how it actually goes using the back door that he built into the sewers. It's not actually super better. <laughs> no, no. I mean, they win. They take Casterly yeah. Rock, but they lose ultimately because it's a trap. Uh-huh. Um, they take the castle, but their fleet is sunk behind them, and the Lannister forces have vacated in order to take Highgarden. So they gain a worthless castle with no food, uh, nothing in the larders, as Jamie says. Well, here's says. the thing. When, they when, lose their fleet. In, in voiceover, when Jamie was saying it's essentially a worthless rock, I felt like you could hear Tywin spinning in his grave mm-hmm. because he would be the first to say a house that can't keep their fucking house is going to be not respected. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if there's going to be that, that that's going to be a problem. The fact that like they just let their ancestral home be taken, that that's going to be a, you know, the Lannister name has already fallen kind of, kind of bit, uh, uh, quite a bit. Like at what point do the Lords start to see a weakness? Like, why are we fighting for these two weird incest babies? 
Like, why why don't we like we it's the Lannisters don't have money or armies or bread. We have the money and armies and bread. Yeah, not anymore though. I I, mean, I I think this High Guard move is brilliant on their part. I do they've, too. But they've but, used Tyrion's own prejudices against him. Right. Um and I think they've gained something far more valuable than Casterly Rock in the process, which is High Garden and its, you know, stores of not only gold but also food. Right. I think I think it's a super good move. I no, if, I, I if people in the land, if the lords of the land can't see that, I, I mean, I wouldn't put it past them. But that's that's what I'm but, saying. Like, but at the same ta- time, they're idiots if they don't see that. That's, that was one of the things that Tywin tried to teach Jamie. Like you know, perception yeah. is is the truth. Yeah. Um, with these, uh, like case. you know, like you can say all you want. Oh, I meant to lose my house, but at the end of the day, you lost your house, and mm-hmm. you're not getting it back anytime soon. And also, yeah. is it is it common knowledge that the, the fucking Lannisters are broke? Um, I don't not think broke so. anymore. Well, but oh, you know what I'm saying? Like the fact that they yeah. just left their castle that's got all the the you know gold mines and all that. It's like I I don't know. It seems like oh, you mean people didn't know the gold mines were empty right. because they had been telling that, them they're that, not that they're a paper that they're a paper lion this whole right. time, and now the whole realm knows that can't be good. So they think, oh my god, they've taken the castle on top of the gold mines, right? There go the Lannisters. Right, yeah. Because, okay. you know, be, like, yeah. like, because essentially this is, goes back to uh, Varys' parable about uh, you got the rich, was like the rich merchant, the king, and the priest. Mm-hmm. And they both tell a sellsword to kill someone who has the power in the situation. Right. Um, and the power is where the people think it is. Well, the Lannisters have just essentially say, yep, we don't have any clothes. Mm-hmm. We're a bunch of brother, fucker, and sister, naked people, at beggars. And how you know Randall Tarley's not a stupid man; he's not a scheming man. Hmm. But I just wonder if that's going to be that's going to be part of their downfall. He's still got that oath hanging over his head. He took a vow mm. to the crown, and mm-hmm. Highgarden's not around anymore. So, or the the Tyrells aren't around, right? So it's his only oath left, I guess. Yep. Um. Yeah. Did you uh, think? That, that, did you think? Um, how what's your stance on the fact that they yada yadded through an enti- one entire battle and mm-hmm. then they kind of did this weird alt history version of the other um i thought it was cool i thought it was a great yeah. use of 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 uh, a budget where you can cuz i felt like uh seeing the unsullied um assault castle lock castle rock both ways was very cool and it made Tyrion look smart but they just yeah. immediately undercut it by making Jamie look smarter yeah, sure. No, I at three episodes I, I in, both of those Tyrion battles. is a di- he's a disaster of a hand so far. Yeah, terrible. Um, he's he's lost both of the battles that he's been in. Right, uh, and the fleet is entirely and he, gone. And he, he has no boats. He also would have lost Marine had it not been for Danny coming back with the dragons. Right, so he's actually three for three failures as a hand. And Danny now has no options. This is like coming to the mainland and burning the boats behind you, right. to keep your people there and on task. She now has to win this thing, right? right. She's on Westeros for good. Mm-hmm. Unless she just wants to say, peace out. I'm taking my dragons back to Essos. Right, yeah. You bye, know Dothraki. What? Bye, Fuck y'all. I'm going back to Marine. Right. I'm going to marry Dario and not care about the stupid continent ever again. Yeah. I mean, two of the, the branches of her army have been destroyed already. Um, and now she's stuck there. Yeah, she much had, like John. Yeah, she had. I mean, now she's like that's the thing. Like Cersei's flipped the script on her. Yeah, she like now she has no allies. 
except for John, who isn't an ally yet. He's a yeah. prisoner. Um, but Tyrell's neutralized. Dorne neutralized. She has no navy, so she can't even mm-hmm. use her Dothraki screamers anymore. Her her army is across the continent from her. Or a good chunk of her army is. Right. Now, I'm sure she has a ton of Dothraki. Mm-hmm. And she's always got the dragons. But right. she doesn't want to kill people. Right. And she doesn't want to kill civilians. She's, she's in a really to. tough That's spot. That's the thing, like... Tyrion, Tyrion's advice, which was good advice, has mm-hmm. essentially forced her to do the thing that they didn't want to do anyway. Yeah. So, like, it's arguable that as brutal and terrible as the, unleashing the dragons and the, her foreign barbarians, that would have ultimately led to less bloodshed. Plus the idea that Tyrion... Yeah. That's just something I don't think we talked about last week, the idea that Tyrion would uh, say, oh, we should just lay siege to King's Landing. Well, we saw the last time... No, I know we did talk about this. The last time they yeah. laid siege to King's Landing, people starved and died. Mm-hmm. The, the, the small folk didn't like it. Well, why would you think that, you know, the fact that you're being besieged by the Tyrells and the Dornish would be... Less acceptable than a bloody and and terrible battle that then would immediately re, you know put King's Landing back on an economic map. I, it's yeah. tough. Tyrion's is not looking great. No, he's not. He's looking real bad right now. Um, the only thing he's got going for him is he built the sewers in Casterly Rock. Right. And he knew about that, so they took it a little easier than they would. Yeah, have. he had a way to smuggle whores into his bedroom yep. that Grey Worm was able to uh, to exploit. We've already talked about how quickly you're on sale around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really like the the line that reminds us of what Bronn said, give me 10 good men and I'll impregnate the bitch. Mm-hmm. That's a great line. Uh, great line that brings us back to a great line from another great character. Yep. Um, and then we immediately see that character. He's right beside Jamie. Oh, and yeah. And Randall Tarley, as they were. I didn't notice that the first time I watched. He's right there beside him uh, riding up to the gates of Highgarden. Yeah, I was so focused on I know. Randall Tarly. I know. Like, I could oh, okay, fucking cool. believe I missed Bronn back there. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they they take High Garden. Jamie then takes a little bit of time to chat with Elena before poisoning her. Very. Um, I, I love the the Reigns of Castamere playing as Jamie's doing his very st- stylistic and heavily edited walk to her chambers. That, yeah. That's just a very cool moment. That That is, that chase cam. It did a lot really of show cool. and not telling because you saw the gold, you saw the grain, you saw the men laying on the ground dead. Yep. Um, and he, you know, he poisons her. He's giving her a um, distinguished, I guess, death, a painless yeah. death. Right. But before she dies, she reveals to Jamie that she was the one who had Joffrey killed. She poisoned him mm-hmm. uh, in a not so painless way. Yeah. Uh, fantastic scene here. This is a great cap for the episode. Yep. I feel you. I, I think it, it needed a little bit more. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe they don't. They were like, well, maybe Jamie should kill the old woman, but then how will uh, the audience? Like, what? I don't know what they're trying to do with Jamie yet. Yeah, yeah. And it could be that they didn't want to play their hand about, like, how good or evil or what he's going to even do. Like, that they're just piling on insult upon insult and... You know, all these things that, like, Jamie's turning into a fun... And that's the thing, like, Jamie never wasn't a bad guy. Like, mm-hmm. he, as a, from a young age, wanted to do the right thing, arguably served the realm, and got vilified for it. Yeah. Um, We're seeing a lot of, like, season one Jamie here. Yeah. Just taking insult after insult when he doesn't deserve them. Right. Well, I mean, that's just the thing, like, Jamie became a person that throws a child out of the tower. Like, right. But that I don't think that's the true Jamie. I think the... the the true Jamie is the one we've seen that's fair-minded and, and wants to do what's right, and he's being subverted by his love for his sister, which is 
I don't know. It seems kind of suspect, but I think Lady Olena said it that like it's it's a, it's they're portraying it as a true blue thing. He's almost blind in his devotion, yeah. and also I can see him like you know I never really had to mind for politics of my father. Maybe Cersei's better at that, and you know uh, at the end of the day, is anyone really going to care about what war crime she committed when we all live underneath the Queen's peace? Yeah, that's kind of what he says. That's exactly yeah. Um, so I can I, mean, I can kind of see him thinking like, well, this is how everyone like I I saw how Robert got to the throne. I know how Aegon got to the throne. Uh, I know how the first men took the. I know how the Andals took. It's like it's 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 never like oh these came up and be like hey uh, the way you're doing things are kind of jacked up. Maybe we need a new leadership. Oh, you're right. right. We've been fucking things up here. You sit on the throne. Like there's yeah. always always terrible things that happen. It's war. Yeah. And nobody's ever come up and said, "Hey, I uh, excuse me, King. Um, right, I'm actually the rightful heir here. Yes. Could you please? Oh, I'm sorry. Vacate the throne for me. I've been sitting here this me. whole time. Let me get. I've been yeah. keeping it warm for you. <laughs> right. There's always bloodshed. And also, it's like he could, he could probably happen. like you know, I never thought he was a great student in history, but also you could rationalize. Well, the victor's always right to history, so that we're probably getting mm. the cleaned up version. Yeah. Like I want to see what his page looks like now in the the Knights <laughs> of of. Westeros or whatever. Well, he's the, book the Lord was. Commander. He's the one supposed to be writing it. I don't think there's. He just hasn't been kept crayon. up on it. There's just been crayon drawings. Yeah. <laughs> uh, doodles of lions everywhere. Right. right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he'd be writing his name. Nice. Uh, like if he'd be writing his name, <laughs> Mister Jamie Lane or Mister Cersei Lannister. I don't know how he would. How would he do that? J Hearts C. Yeah. <laughs> Forever. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh man! Wait till Sam gets his hand on that book. It's not BFFFFF, family fuckers forever. Wow. All right, and that's the end of the episode. Is Jamie going to tell Cersei? About Joffrey? Yeah, um, why would he? It, he can't. Oh, he can't. That'll drive no. her mad. It it does serve this purpose because she's convinced that Tyrion did it this whole time. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So I now I don't know that that would make a difference no, when I don't it comes think to, so. to Cersei. So I guess... Is is it, this it might, is it, this is the reason Jamie's reeling about this because because that's the thing is like um, is he reeling because he now knows his brother is innocent? I think he's reeling just because the whole scope of it is just yeah. crazy. You know, like he's I, found out a lot of information here. Yeah, yeah. He didn't oh, yeah. have before. Right. Doesn't know how to react. Right. Yeah. But that's. I, I think he kind of already knew that. Like, why else would he? I don't think he would have helped Tyrion escape. That's true. Um. The king's justice, right? Uh, if he had, if he had not known that already, really thought that he killed, yeah, yeah. Um, I, we do know that he he does hate Tyrion, but for different reasons. For yeah, the, and I wonder. I guess dad. I'm saying I wonder if this is we're supposed to see this is Jamie starting to turn. Like if if some of the stuff that Cersei's been banking on being untrue, mm. and the fact that maybe that maybe in his mind there was a shadow of a doubt that like, well, he killed my father. And now he's turning traitor against a family in a way that he's never, yeah. you know, because they've, they've always like, you know, Jamie and Tyrion have always liked each other, but but Tyrion's always been on the side of his family, mm-hmm. even though they treated him horribly. He he, but I don't know, maybe. Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure. on board with what they're doing with Jamie and Cersei here, so it's 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 hard for me to puzzle out. Well, we'll see. Probably sooner rather than later. Uh, that's the end of the episode. Hey, everybody, real quick before we get to the feedback section, we've got a sponsor today to talk about. It's a new one, so you haven't heard this one before. Um, I was sent a box of RX bars, Um, and if you're wondering what those are, they're protein bars that actually taste really good. They have a a whole bunch of different flavors. 
like 11 of them, I think. Maybe 12. They have a limited time mango pineapple one that sounded so as good. Ma- as many flavors as there are seas and planetos. At least. At least that many. Uh, the peanut butter sea. My favorite flavor is actually the mixed berry. I think that one's really good. Uh, I like I, I like the peanut butter. I'm surprised because the the peanut butter already has that kind of like dry mouth effect. But it like can, this, yeah. these bars are so good that it's uh, just the, the natural peanut butter flavor was was great. Maybe it's because they have no gluten. I don't know. Ooh. What does gluten do? I'm not an it, expert. It, it, it retards the taste of peanut butter. <laughs> Get it out of there. I but I I got a sampler box of them. I think there were six different flavors in there. And I tried them all, except for peanut butter, which I haven't got to yet. It's the last one, but you tried that one. Because mm-hmm. um, most of them come with cashews, which you're allergic to. I'm allergic to cashews. So I got to eat the bulk of them, which was nice. Um, but yeah, th- so basically what they are is they are a whole food protein bar. So they have a lot of protein in them, mainly from egg whites, which is nice because it's easy protein to digest. And it's actually uh, doesn't have a ton of calories in there um, as compared to the the yolks, not a ton of cholesterol which is nice. Um, and they're, they're all natural. So there's no artificial, um, flavors, no artificial coloring or preservatives or filler or anything like that. Each bar, if you look at the front of it, has like a list of some of the four kind of base ingredients. Um, one of those being the egg whites, which is a major one. Uh, you have like cashews or some kind of nut, probably a peanut in there. Um, you have a lot of dates, Cacao. Cacao, if it's a chocolate one, yeah. Mm. Um, a lot of dates, which give it a nice uh, sweet flavor as well. These are probably, I'd have to say they're probably the like in the top tier of protein bars that I've tried. Here, and here's the thing. Like, and if I've you, tried if, a lot of protein If you're not familiar with protein bars, don't order these and expecting to get like chewy granola. No, they're, they're different. They're, yeah. they're, they're, they're protein, but they are, these are the, the best I've ever tasted. And here's the thing that separated from me is like, the fact that they uh, – most protein bars I eat and I immediately feel like I have to drink a gallon of water yeah, because they're so they're so dry. They taste like protein. They, they taste like I'm dr- – yeah. like but this is like – like you said, they're all natural, so they actually look exactly like – it looks like they took the ingredients on the front and smashed it down into a bar. Yeah, you they're, can see whole cashews in they there. They don't dry out your mouth. They're, they're, they're moist, and that, that I think that, that, that actually helps their flavor too. Um, and yeah. I tried the chocolate one and the peanut butter, and I thought they were both they're both really good. I, I tried some just eating, and then I took a, a couple uh, boating with me this weekend for yeah. a, a river snack. No, I've been eating them for, like, quick breakfast. They're mm-hmm. super easy to just grab on your way out the door. I've been eating them for snacks, like, at night. Um, I think they're awesome. They're really good protein bars. And you're ripped now. I, well, And shredded. I'm on, let's say I'm on my way <laughs> to being shredded again. You're like six months of Rowan Gendry. <laughs> Not quite six seasons, but you're getting there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm getting there. Uh, and the RX bars are helping, I think. So, yeah, if you would like to uh, get 25% off your first order, you can visit rxbar.com slash GOT. And when you check out, enter promo code GOT, and you'll get 25% off that first order. Um, I recommend them. I think they're, they're great protein bars. Um, they're all natural. They're healthy. Go for it. Do we have feedback to do? Oh, do we? Uh, let's go ahead and get started with it. Michael R., why hasn't Randall Tarley gone or at least sent someone to Old Town yet to reclaim his priceless Valerian steel sword? He knows exactly where Sam is. I can't believe he's just chalked it up as a lost cause. Yeah, he didn't notice it. He, <laughs> he never noticed it was gone. Sam just put a, a stick there, a <laughs> right. little twig, yeah. a pussy willow branch, and he just uh-huh. it's, it's something up there. <laughs> I mean, is there an argument that he might have, but, like, if you look at the chronology, he would have been summoned the, the, before Cersei. Hmm. So, yeah. like, I now why he wouldn't send – because he could send 
probably the shittiest fighter in all of his his retinue to mm-hmm. get it, and he would easily hand Sam his ass and get the Valerian Steel Sword. And yeah, I don't have a clear answer to this because it is it is weird that this they they conspicuously showed Sam stealing it, and we know how crazy valuable these are, and what an insult that would be for Tarly to endure that his 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 son that he has treated as some effeminate fat waste of skin his entire life has stole the family heirloom Mm -hmm. that not even some of the richest houses in West like for the longest time the Lannisters didn't have any uh, until they stole fucking Ned's sword they didn't have a bit of Valerian steel hard for me to understand so I I don't have any good I don't have any good theories for you and to add injury to insult it's or insult to injury that's Mm -hmm. the phrase Uh, he's not doing anything with it right right like I, granted, I know it was sitting it to, on the mantle, but it was it depressing debri- people. If he used it to debride Jorah. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's the sharpest thing I have, Jorah. Uh, I've always wanted to use it. Um, all right, moving on. Charlie from NYC. I think that Arya will meet up with Sans at the end of the season. Happy music will play, and we'll see a smile on her face. They'll hug. It'll be beautiful. Then Sansa will stab her in the stomach. She steps back, feeling her wound. Sansa removes her face to show it's a faceless men. Her story the face of men cannot be over, and I have a hard time believing they'll be okay with her running around Westeros using their techniques. Sure. Do you I've... think the faceless men are going to pay Arya a visit for stealing their secrets? And I think they should try. Yeah. The thing is, is Jack and seemed pleased with what she was doing. Like, like he had like, a smile on his face, but you're it doing it. Be... You're doing everything that I wanted you to do the entire time. I was right. teaching you wrong as a joke somehow, and I, I. You could also interpret it as like the game is afoot kind uh, of smile. True. Like, true. aha, we have a worthy contender. Now I have to go kill her. Hmm. I just, you know, uh, they're a death cult, mm-hmm. and they've got a member who is not playing according to the rules, and that seems like it should be a problem. Yeah. You have to every person that Arya has killed, Jacken has had to take life. <laughs> he's got to pay for life with death or something. I don't know. Or he's right. brought he's bringing people back to life over in Essos. <laughs> that would be that would be oh that would be interesting too. If like she is fucking up some kind of scales that they're keeping track of, and it's right. gonna it's gonna mean uh, some atonement has to be done for people that she cares about. I don't know. That's a that's a good question, Charlie. Uh, your guess is as good as mine. I I will say that if we never see the faceless men again, I'm not going to be complaining because yeah. I never particularly liked the fast forward version of her training that we got. I thought there was a lot of you know kind of plot holes and and illogical development and um again you know I, yeah, you're right that smile was enigmatic and it's a faceless men so who knows what it means yeah. Uh, Dave from Canada just got done listening to an instant take and couldn't help but notice your fascination with the bridge on Euron's flagship. Just for your interest, the name of that device is called a Corvus, which means raven, and was invented by the Romans in the First, first Punic War as a way to combat the experienced crews of the Carthaginians. Hmm. Jesus, that's a hard word to say. By turning a sea battle into a land battle with their marines, where the Romans demonstrated a marked superiority. All Pretty right. cool. Good idea. I guess it's called a Corvus because it, just like Euron's deal, has this giant spike that once it penetrates the deck, it's like you ain't getting away. Yeah, Caitlin from Tennessee. Okay, guys, I had a thought. Sansa said she learned a lot from Cersei, right? One of the things Cersei told her very early on is about the power men have or women have over men and how Sansa better learn to use it. What if Sansa marries Sweet Robin? 
They're supposed to anyway, and old Santa was like, ooh, no, but new Santa's hopefully smarter and more strategic. She told Brienne that Littlefinger was there because we need his men, but they aren't his men. He married into the va- she married into the veil. She gains control over Littlefinger, and the lords and ladies are hers. They don't like Littlefinger and owe allegiance to the Starks anyway, and this effectively cuts him out. Uh, so it's a way that Sansa could have him thrown out the broken tower just as Bran was. First of all, Robin, no, ooh. Uh, <laughs> he's still, ooh. Um, hey, she but can yeah, fend this off, is a good plan. She can fend off a notorious lech like Tyrion. <laughs> then. Yeah. I, I mean, mean cause Tyrion helped her out with like, that. Like, what's sweet Robin going to go for a kiss? She just backhands him. Yeah. And, you know, he cries. I just think and... being in his presence is kind of ooh. The other I thing mean, is, I like, the kid. I, yeah, I, yeah that's, that's dangerous because... His lords, I mean, it's not like she's going to marry him and suddenly be in charge. If he gets in a fit of peak and like, says, I want to see Sansa fly, they're going to throw her out the door. For sure, yeah. Um, but I don't know. I mean, how much did she learn from Cersei and how much has she learned from, like, Marjorie? Because mm-hmm. Marjorie was very good at controlling mm-hmm. Tommen, for instance, right? Yeah. Um, I, I feel like the target of her manipulation will probably be more Littlefinger than Sweet Robin. You think so? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think it could work. I, yeah. I don't think that's a terrible plan on her part. And it's something that I don't think Littlefinger would really see coming. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he talks a good game about fighting every battle in his head everywhere all the time. But mm-hmm. I think he, she could maybe throw him a wild card with that. Right on. Uh, Ernest T, do you think we'll see a potential Dothraki rebellion? An arousing speech to the Dothraki in the desert, Danny promises they will kill men in iron suits and tear down their stone houses. But it seems like Tyrion's plan is in direct opposition to this. Uh, there is no mention of the Dothraki in any of Tyrion's plans. With them being sidelined and Danny essentially not fulfilling her promise, do you think there could be some conflict? Nah. I don't, yeah. see, I don't see it, but, I mean, potentially, who, who knows? I mean, that's the thing, like... She won them onto her side by this miraculous show of magical power and dragons. Mm-hmm. So I think they're going to be true blue. Now, I guess the question is, if she has no boats and there's no way to procure more food, um, you know, an army marches on its belly. If you've got potentially 100,000 dudes with their horses on this tiny island mm-hmm. that doesn't have anything in the way of arable farmland, uh what what are you going to do? What are they going to do? Yeah, they got to start marching somewhere. But... And also, the other question you got to ask yourself: Do double D's know or care about any of these logistic things? Because increasingly, sure. it seems like they don't. Yeah, like it. It's like, eh, it sounds about right. Let's go with it, mm-hmm. and it's cool. So, yeah. uh, men starving on beaches, not cool. <laughs> uh, not unless you're Christopher Nolan and you're making Dunkirk. Um, let's move on, Jessica M. Uh, here's the deal. I figured it out. Euron uses those magical sponge ships that grow when you pour water on them. You yeah. ever play around those things? You get like I, I've get seen it, them. Those little yeah. eggs you get, and like, you put in two quarters, and mm-hmm. like you got dinosaurs, and it's it's dumb. It's like you know you pour water <laughs> on them, and they're slightly larger versions of themselves. Uh-huh. But sure, he doesn't even have to pour water. He just has to throw them in the ocean. Instant fleet. Yeah, just get damp hair over there, rubbing his That's hair all right. over those things. Squeezing That'll his work. hair out. He needs he needs two quarters to put into the machine. He's got hey, all the ships uh, he needs. D hair, come over here. <laughs> D hair, what, what are you doing tonight? We got a thousand ships. We got to raise. Yeah, you got the damp hair, so make it happen, buddy. Uh, Chris S. Uh, I was surprised by your views on the scene about John not telling Sansa. Of course, if you didn't know, this was this was stuff about this is old business about the last episode that we hadn't gotten to. Uh, about John not telling Sans about his decision before the meeting, I saw it completely differently. This is a good take, Jim. Oh I believe John had a specific 
agenda and reason for saying all of this in the open meeting. By not telling anyone, he got an honest reaction and dissent from Sansa in front of all the other lords who shared that opinion. That aligned her with the other lords, so when John announced he was putting her in charge, she was immediately accepted and trusted by them. By doing this, he showed everyone that she could be a strong leader, plus Sansa's honest reaction shows that he wasn't... She wasn't colluding with John, which would have made her a target of the revolt to his decision. What? Distance her from him, allowing her to stay in Winterfell as a strong and trusted leader in his absence. Hmm. Um, this is a, it, I thought this was a pretty good reading of the situation. So, yeah, I, I, I also read this email, and I think it was uh, it laid out a fairly good case for why John might have sprung this on her. Uh-huh. Um, I j- Look, if you're going to follow John, and John says Sansa's in charge, I think you follow Sansa. Yeah, I don't think you say, well, they could be colluding. Well, colluding? What do you mean you're willing to follow John right. to the ends of the earth, essentially? Like, and I don't think anybody sister. was going to turn traitor on John if he just said, I'm off to Dragonglass land. You guys can just sit tight for a while. Nobody's in charge. I'm still in charge, but I'll be back. Yeah. Like, nobody's going to turn on him. But someone has to be left in charge. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. But But my point is, like, I don't think anybody is willing to mutiny on John because he's making decisions they don't agree with. Probably not. But like if say if things go poorly and and he gets killed, mm-hmm. then the lords are like, "Well, Sansa tried to tell him, uh let's rally around Sansa versus if they had uh, formed a unified front and she says, "Well, you know, I was you know, you guys didn't know this, but I was said Sure, he was yeah. stupid for going down there. Then they might just like dismiss the whole Stark houses. We need new leadership. I mm-hmm. I don't know. I thought it was it's the best defense of them not being on the same page. I saw it is yeah. Moving on, Rusty. If Brandon already revealed to Sansa the sins of Littlefinger, uh, and Sansa is now the warden or queen of the North, would she be able to pass a sentence and oh. swing the sword as Ned or John would have? Oh shit! Wait, wait. We've got to talk about fighting all the battles in your head all the time as it uh-huh. applies to Bran. Because he's done this, man. You're not going to pull one over on Bran, right? Like, Littlefinger's got no chance. And if Bran gives a shit about what Littlefinger is doing, Littlefinger's fucked. There's nothing that, he can do that Bran hasn't seen. Well, that, I, and, and I wonder if that's what they're yeah, – that's, that's, that's a good point. I wonder if that's what they're getting with his detached humanity, that he has all these puzzle pieces, but he can't – just the, the same way he can't put the puzzle piece together that your sister looked beautiful on the night she was raped. Uh-huh. He can't see that, like, all these things that he knows about Littlefinger. And also, I don't – if if all this knowledge was like jammed in his skull, does that mean like he has equal access to it all the time? Right. Or is there, are some of these like m- murky memories that he has to think about? Or does he have to go specifically look at a thing like warg into that moment? Or, or does whatever? he not see the significance of it? Like I'm I'm fixated on the war to the north, so like all this stuff with Littlefinger is not processing. I mean, it's, it's not probably as a threat. It's a good thing for Littlefinger the brand is so detached because he gets. A, he gets a glimpse of that moment when Littlefinger betrayed Ned, and boom, it's over. Your head's yeah. coming off, Littlefinger. Yeah. But Bran might not care anymore. I don't know. Uh, your question, though, Russ, about whether she would have to pass a sentence and sing, I'm sure she could pass a sentence because John gave her command authority. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think she'd be expected to swing the sword uh, because this is a patriarchy, and I'm sure there'd be a lot of like, "Don't you trouble yourself, little lady. You done you done enough work passing the sentence. I'll swing the sword for you." But then again, she's also got Lady Mormont that's probably like, what is this bullshit? Yeah. You take that sword and you, you hack his head off. Or I will. <laughs> yeah, or, or I will. Um, that would be interesting. I will say it's it's a good thing the I sword li- isn't like twice as big as her now. <laughs> like she's grown up and the sword has gotten smaller. Right. Because that looked like a heavy ass. I don't know if I well, can Well, that sword that is now sword. gone. It's too far. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, Bethany says, I listened to your discussion of the John and Danny marriage potential, and I felt your con list was rather short, so let me help. John and Danny getting married makes sense political, maybe, and prophetically, but do you think of two people who are more like oil and water than these two? Let's review the tape. John was raised from the dead and still assures people that he's not a god. Danny survives a fire and vase Dothrak, totally open to their worship as if she's defined. Two, John follows Davos' skepticism about Mel's prophecy despite his knowledge of her power. Danny meets Mel for the first time and is totally sold on being the princess that was promised. Mel's not even pushing Danny in that position, but Danny is eating it up. Three, John consistently judges people as individuals, not as members of a class. He sees the humanity of the free folk and gives the rebellious houses a second chance. Danny's entire conflict these last however many sessions or seasons has been about the ma- masters versus the slaves. Four, John shows no delight in killing, even in war. He even said in this episode that I don't like the things that I'm good at when he's good at killing folk. Mm-hmm. Uh, he couldn't kill Ygritte, even though she was an enemy combatant. John O'Slint deserved his, to die, and John still had to gather his strength to do it. He hung the people who literally stabbed him in betrayal, and he seemed grim and sad the whole time doing it. The only exception might be his beatdown of Ramsay Bolton, who deserved much worse than he got, and John stopped himself before killing him. Danny, on the other hand, is happy to watch her enemies burn alive. She crucifies the masters, and any masters will do, again, judging them entirely according to their class. She feeds one of the masters to her dragons without any trial or even spy intel knowledge of, her, of their guilt. Her first instinct is in every case is to burn them all. The best you can say about her is that sometimes she listens to counsel. John says he himself would never want to be king and never ask for it. Danny's been asking to take what is hers for the last six seasons. These are not mere personality differences. These are evidence of diametrically opposed core values. Uh, pretty compelling. All fair points. And I think until this episode, I had not, I had seen hints that maybe Danny was was on that train, like it's all about me kind of right. thing. This episode really drove it home for me. Um, and I think the comment from John mm. about not enjoying what he's good at right. is more than just killing people. Yes, yeah. he's good at killing people, but he's also good at leading people. Right. And he doesn't enjoy it. He doesn't want to be the leader, right. but he's got to be in this moment, whereas Danny is the exact opposite in that regard. However... She wants to be the leader. Do you know what are two diametrically opposed uh, core things? Ice and fire. Right. And this is the song of Ice and Fire. Yeah. So... I, I also look, looked at your list, and I'm seeing uh, maybe a couple points where J- Dot John could step closer to Danny. And vice and, versa, And maybe yeah. Danny could step closer to John, so maybe uh, you know we'll end up with a song of slush, and everybody will be happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. throw, throw, some, throw some cherry on there, some grape. You got yourself a snow cone. Uh, who doesn't like a snow cone? I'd bet Danny would like a snow I cone. I bet Drogon wouldn't, though. Uh, no, probably not. Jessica D., Arya's list was discussed in your Season 7 preview podcast and again in this week's podcast, but I think someone has missed both times. Wasn't the Red Woman added to Arya's list in Season 3 after Melisandre took Gendry? I think so. Uh, and Melisandre predicted that she and Arya will meet again. Hmm. Is Arya going to be the With end Varys of face. Melis- Melis- I, I mean, she's she's heading... I don't. I think she'll make it to the Volantis fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, she comes back then, according to prophecy... Her and Arya has to meet, and she has to die. Why wouldn't she die to Arya? Uh, I can't think of any real reason, unless she's I, got some magic up her I'm robe sleeves. Strangely detached from Melisandre. Strangely detached. I've yeah. never liked her. Okay, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> I, mean? I guess that's what I mean. Like, for someone who's had a central role, I'm very ambivalent about what I, you know, she's done mm. very terrible things, and she's done. Yeah. Yet, I think. 
I can understand why she's deluded. Like she had real power and there was, it seems like she had the Lord's blessing. So, you know, history is not exactly lacking of people doing terrible things because they think they have God's approval. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and who can say that they would resist that? Like if, you know, I started shitting out magic babies, uh, I, I, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm comfortable with my atheism, but that would make me question what I know. Maybe uh, I would start doing terrible things. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. It's itchy, but I, I feel very, very kind of ambivalent about her. Yeah, I'm fine if she dies. Like, I, Arya, I kind of don't want her to live. Like, yeah, Arya killing her, though, doesn't, like, there's a couple things. Like, Arya killing Cersei, yeah, I could get behind that. Arya mm-hmm. killing the Freys, super cool. Arya killing Melisandre is like, meh. Yeah. I mean, there's something like Arya mm-hmm. killing the Hound, outrage. Be outrage sure. at this point. Yeah, I do not want that. But Melisandre would just be like, meh. I don't see her making it out. She's made too many mistakes. Mm-hmm. Burn too many. Like, I, I can't forgive her for burning Shireen. What's she going to Volantis for? I don't know. Fashion. <laughs> really? She's worn the same outfit for six seasons now. It's time to <laughs> t- t- time to try something new. Come back with an army of red priestesses. A, win- a winter. She needs some fur on her collar. She needs she needs some more wintry mm-hmm. uh, uh, garb. I, I don't know because that's going to be in the theater. I, I'm. I bet it's to be called onto the carpet for what she's been doing in Westeros. You think so? She's, she's reporting been, to headquarters. I mean, what? That's that's where we first met the other red priestesses and priests. Right. Uh, that became kind of Danny's source of power and uh, and uh, amongst the people in Essos. Why? Why else would she? Maybe a debriefing. Maybe she wants to get some knowledge over there of what's going on. Hmm. Exactly. I don't know. They seem to have a pretty. I don't know. They have other ways of communicating. I mean, I'm sure. I would love to know more about the hierarchy of the church. Yeah. On the other hand, it's awful late in the game for me to care about it. So it I have uh, kind of mixed feelings about. <laughs> I'm just all mixed up about Melisandre. Georgian, maybe my memory is failing me, but it seems like characters are using out-of-world words this season, like Euron saying nation in Season 7, Episode 1, and Tyrion saying country in Season 7, Episode 2. Am I way off base, or are these words out of place? Usually they're words like realm or kingdom, so these usages struck me as odd. Um, I actually didn't know how to answer your question, George, but there is this tool called A Search of Ice and Fire. And it has a full text of all of George Barton's works, and you can search it for any word or phrase. And I used nation and country, and turns out shit tons of huh. references of, of – and not country like the countryside, like speaking of it as if it is a state. So I – when you read that, I'm like, huh, yeah, it sounds like the double Ds to take you know some linguistic complexity and just play havoc with it. But – uh, lots of precedents and all the canon works of George using these these words like we do. So, okay. uh, and also check out Search of Ice and Fire. Uh, if you Google for it, I'm not sure what the URL is, but it's a it's a pretty cool reference for for answering questions like these. Uh, and B, while watching Cersei and Jaime standing on a large map of Westeros, I was wondering, with all the Game of Thrones mania going on, what percentage of Americans know the map and geography of Westeros better than a map of England, or better than even a map of the U.S.? I think it's very few. I actually. Unless I was doing this podcast, I would not know where anything is in right. Westeros. I would know north. I would know south. I would know middle. Right. But I wouldn't know east or west um, from each other. Right. So, and I, we're bad. We're we're bad people to ask because we're we're pretty good at geography uh, in general. <laughs> I'm sure I could find some random. Uh, I don't English... want to claim that. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure I could find some random Englishmen and women that were pretty poor about understanding their 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 map. Uh, of their local geography. Um, I can tell you where. But, yeah, it's a fair point. Uh, people do tend to spend too much time on trivialities. Yeah. In a world full of real-life complexity and drama. But uh, you, 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 you take your escape where you can find for it. You. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> 
Chris K from Placenta. No, not Placenta. What? Placenta? Placenta? It's too close to Placenta for me, Chris. I didn't. California. There's probably a city in California Placenta? named Placenta. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. That seems like the state that would name a town Placenta. Probably. Yeah, it's, it's, it's named after consuming Placenta. That's a thing now? Yeah, that? that's a thing. People are eating their placentas. Melisandre does that from time to time. Oh, yeah. It's your shadow placenta. Uh-huh. Oh, it's the best parts. It really is, yeah. You cook it just right, so tender. Uh, so all right. smoky. I don't, I don't like the sounds of your town, Chris, but we'll consider your <laughs> feedback. On the full cast this week, you mentioned that Sam is a Mary Sue representation of Germ in the books and wondered who the Mary Sues for the Double Ds are. I think I've got it. Dolores Ed or Dolores Ed, and Dario Naharis because they were left behind with the monumental task of manning the wall and ruling Marine. Just the double Ds are left with the task of finishing the story that Gurm started over 20 years ago. That's not bad. Uh-huh. Because they were both are kind of like, what, you're just going to leave me with this mess? Oh, f- f- yo, fuck you, John. Fuck you, Danny. I also, like it. they're the double Ds, Dolores and Dario. Do- Dolores, I... Never know how to pronounce that. Boom. I me either. People always give me shit no matter what I say. Uh, that that seems like a good T-shirt idea. The double D's with the. Dar- I don't know how. Pe- to I do mean, it. people would point their fingers in the air and say, "Ah, oh, but his name's Ed." Right. It's not That's dollar. Do- I said, do- "Yeah, you know, whatever." Uh, double D's aren't their real names either. Although there's <laughs> Dan and David DB. Yeah. All right, Jay Snyder. I've long thought that Sam was a literary stand-in for Gurm, and the last episode only seems to confirm that. My prediction for the last shot of the series is we see an elderly maester Sam completing the Song of Ice and Fire and pull back to reveal Gurm appearing in person as the old Sam. <laughs> he looks at the camera with and says, the hat or without? With the hat and the turtle, the full thing. <laughs> uh, except for except for he's got the, the maester's robes and chain. Right. Uh, and he's chained to a desk writing this thing. And he looks at the camera oh, and says, boy. I didn't think I would ever finish it, and the internet crashes shortly after. <laughs> That's the thing. If he was able to get the books done by the final season, that would be a great moment. Uh-huh. Like I could totally be on seeing actual Gurm as a wizened old maester finishing it. But there actually might be a war started if if that cameo happens at this point. <laughs> like there's just no, there's just no, there's just no way. Yeah, there's no way you can do that. That's just like that's just like bull baiting your fan base. All right. Um. Ardeny, maybe I'm missing something from the books or the early season of the show, but would you care to discuss why you think people have such a tough time believing in White Walkers? I get that it's a long time ago in history, but people have seen Magic and Dragons and have heard at least whispered reports and confirms uh, that confirms these legends that they've heard. It's not like our stories we hear where there just isn't a lot of time passed, but also little scientific eyewitness and other evidence to suggest that, say, the entire Earth was flooded except for a boat that holds two of each animal. This is a world where there are still people alive who have seen dragons. People can worgen animals. People birth shadow demons. Somewhere, someone knows uh, someone who contact- contracted the faceless men. Dragons have been flying over land and sea. People avoid a shy because of the mystic arts practice there. So, but white walkers and whites are a bridge too far for people? Why is it so hard for people to accept that there's a looming threat up north? I don't think the wall helps, honestly. I, I think all the people... Well, yeah, probably that as well. But I think all the people who would attest to any kind of weird happenings up north are blocked from coming south. Right. And so you don't really have the legends that are as strong in the the north of, you know, the the north, the quote-unquote north, mm-hmm. as opposed to north of the wall. Yeah, there's like also— Those people believe in those things, right? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like a little Star Wars-y where, like, 
uh, Han Solo should have been a small child during the Age of the Jedi, but yet he's dismissing all this as hokey religion and ancient right. weapon, you know, when he's talking about it, like, what the fuck, dude? Yeah. Uh, and people, they, they say, well, that's not a plot hole. That just shows how ruthless the, imp- the Emperor was at stamping out the Jedi religion and and changing history, like the like cult of personality style. And there's hints in the books that the Maesters have been doing something about that with magic mm-hmm. because it's something they can't understand and control, and it's something that seems to be on the way out. So they're very interested in kind of, like, pulling man away from looking at this mysticism and stuff and, and, and putting it firmly, you know, they're trying to start their own age of reason over there. So an in-universe uh, explanation is that these maesters are trying to use the temporary uh, reversal of magic in the realm as a way to kind of like, finally they can, they can be like throw overthrow the priests and all the superstition and, and be a new ruling power in Westeros. Also, it's been a much longer time since the White Walkers have been right. a thing than dragons. Right. So and and look at I mean, here's the other thing: uh, we live in a world that's built on reason and intellect, and yet we still have people that, on both sides, that deny scientific proof. And also, how up are you on string theory? How you know? How up are you on dark matter and black holes? Like, there's lots of things that are almost indistinguishable from magic that happen. I mean, how many people can articulate what the theory of relativity means, general or or special? Mm -hmm. Like, there's plenty in this world in the margins that none of us really understand except for a select few, and we're content to have that happen. But, like, let's say that, you know, whether you live or die tomorrow depends on whether you can believe to your bones in, like, quantum mechanics, Mm-hmm. How many are you going? How many of us are going to survive? Yeah. And that's kind of like this. It's 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 something that like yeah sure there's dragons sure there's this but now there's an existential threat based on something I've never heard of before. It's I don't know like I, I guess I don't I don't see it as we as 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 weird as other people to think that just you know because just just because there's some fantastic elements in the world that you would just naively believe anything that someone, you know, you'd just be credulous that something you have no personal experience with could be happening. I do think maybe the people who have directly seen the magical things that are happening in this universe, like dragons, for instance, yes. should maybe lend a little more credence to the idea that there could be other things out there that they don't quite understand um, and that they're possibly real. Now, I'm not saying, like, they need to go make that their core identity. Right. Like, Danny doesn't need to magically say, oh, the White Walkers are coming, yeah, because I've got dragons, obviously. Um, but she might, you know, open her mind to the possibility of them. Right. Um, because of the things she's seen in association with her dragons. But there's here, there's, a, there's a perfect example in this, in this episode. Like, John says, man, if I'd only known the things that were north, I, I, I wish someone had told me. This story begins with they a man did. from the Night's Watch running south to tell everyone the White Walkers are coming, and he's dismissed as a charlatan and fraud and executed by yeah. the oh-so-righteous and wise Ned Stark. Mm-hmm. And it, that's super ironic that Jon Snow is saying this. Like, oh, right? if only someone did try to tell you jackass, and you offed with his... You were there. You yeah. were standing there, and you watched it happen. Uh-huh. So... Do you hate Jon Snow? Do you think he? I, I just, I just feel like it's, I feel like it's pretty natural, um, and it's easy to see like a, a supernatural thing for us, like dragons, and like, well, then Katie barred a door, and I don't think they that live in this world view their world like that. Sure, you know, any more than we like, we have lasers now, we have laser guns. Our world's not magic. No, you know, 
we've sent a man to a moon. That doesn't mean I can levitate and and and, and blast fire out of my ass. Wish I could. Uh, Andy S. Sir, uh, Sir Loris was one of the best knights of Westeros. The Tyrells seem to fight well enough when defending King's Landing from Cersei. How come they're now a bunch of flower boys who fight like crap? I don't mind they lost to the Lannisters, but I don't get where the comment on them not being able to fight come from. It's because Mace. It's because Mace is the, was the only one left training the troops, and he's just. <laughs> you've seen him on a horse. He's right, terrible. Right. He's sir too lame to fit to sit a horse. Yeah. I think I got several emails like this, and I think the thing you're missing is that the bulk. There's a couple things. Historically, the Tyrells are not well liked in the Reach because mm-hmm. they, uh, the gardeners who are the lords, the the, the king of the Reach, mm-hmm. um, fought against the Targaryens in the, the the Field of Fire, so named. Oh, that sounds bad. Because Aegon <laughs> first unleashed his dragons and annihilated instantly like three three of the kings in, in one fell swoop. Wow. Uh, and then he and then he rode to the castle of High, of Highgarden. He's like, all right, who the fuck's in charge? And the steward said, I am. He's like, guess what? You're the new lords of the realm. So these oh. and and you'd imagine the other lords like the the, the Tarleys, and, and they're seeing this happen. And the stewards are made the the lords of the realm, and they have to bend the knee to the fucking king steward. Like mm-hmm. that didn't that didn't sit very well. And it's not exactly a brilliant piece of geopolitical game that the Targaryens played. Hmm. Um, but also. I think you're missing the fact that Randall Tarley is is uh, he made off of the bulk of their army, mm-hmm. and he's their be- their best military commander. Huh. So it's okay. not the Tyrells at full strength against the Lannister army. It's whatever's left in their personal guard and the people who garrison the castle against most of the other powerful lords of the Reach and the Lannisters combined taking them over. Hmm. Okay, so. Yeah, I mean, Elena definitely seems to have a negative view of the fighting prowess of her troops. She even, does. Even the good ones. Um, and I always got the impression that Loras probably learned to fight so well kind of to blend in, to disguise himself. You True. Know? Yeah, he butched I it mean, up. Yeah, that, it's obviously not acceptable um, for him to love men in that universe. So, like, he probably used that as a bit of a cover. Sure. I imagine. So badass. he was probably better than most of... There are other knights, right? Also, the other things like they made it a point in season two when Cat went to go over, you know, to go treat with Rinley. Like, you know, they're they're holding this tournament, and she's like, "Oh man, look at the boys of summer mm-hmm. uh, trying to fight." Like, a lot of it is also like if you take Randall Tarley and his badasses out of it, that actually went through Robert's Rebellion. You've got a bunch of younger people who haven't even seen a winter, mm-hmm. so they are. I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. The, the fact is that most of the good Tarleys, uh, or most of the good. Um, loyal bannermen f- went over to the queen hmm. uh okay. cersei and supported her and that left elena with nothing yeah. so but i got that a lot i just wanted to make sure i explained it a bit uh andrew m if john snow's parents are rhaegar targaryen and Lyanna stark wouldn't they need to marry in secret for john to actually have a targaryen name otherwise since they had him out of wedlock and he's technically still a bastard uh or Do is he not that? technically still a bastard no, I mean, here, so this is the thing, like, um, and you'd need to join us over into the spoiler section to get a lot more of this, but, like, we don't, there's so much we don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not unheard of for Targaryens to have two wives. Uh, fuck, Aegon Targaryen, to start a whole thing, had two, married both of his sisters and had children from both of them. Of course he did. And it's not, and that's the thing, is, like, that's one of the reasons that Tar- Tar- Targaryens were always weird, because that was an anathema to the entire rest of the realm. Yeah. The, the incest and multiple wives 
are 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 not cool to any of the faiths in the seven kingdoms. Except Dornish, the Dornish are probably the, yeah, cool Dornish with some like, of that. Yeah, well, I don't know, Sis, uh, your wives. sister, dude. But okay, multiple <laughs> yeah. wives, I can kind of see it. Right. Um, but they also didn't bend. The, they they were the last to, to bend the knee. They never did bend. They bend never the did. Knee. Yeah. Um, so. And, and and it's it's also interesting that the generation of Targaryens that ran out of dragons are the ones that started having trouble and started being pressured. And then you had the mm-hmm. Mad King, and it was very easy for the realm to like, all right, ta- done with the Targaryen nonsense. So, um, but we don't know. We don't know. There's there's lots of people to say that uh, you know Elia Mar- uh, um, uh, Martell was fine with Targar with with Rhaegar going to marrying Lyanna, and that they were married in secret, but. Nobody knows. Also, how strict do you want to get with this? Because technically Sansa is a Bolton at this point. Yeah. So what the fuck? If you're going to call her Sansa Stark, you can't right. harp too much on John Targaryen. Right. She's a witch. She's, Bol- she's Bolton's widow at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, there's there's so many technical questions. And also, like, if this is if this is to fulfill a prophecy, does the prophecy care about marriage? Or is it the bloodlines? Sure. Yeah. Um, and we don't we don't know any of those questions. Uh, but I also say that, um, you know, all, I think people put way too much emphasis on this birthright and bastardry, and especially, you know, when you've got uh, a bastard that's the king of the north now. Mm-hmm. That should tell you that it's mostly who has the has the best leadership qualities and who can get the most amount of men and weapons. It's not about your bloodlines. Yeah. All right. Moving on, uh, just Stephen M. I just finished watching the episode in your instant take and wanted to write in about Littlefinger's intentions. And in a scene of the new Maester of Winterfell says that the Maester Lewin kept records of every raven that ever came to Winterfell. While I may have been moved past quickly in the scene, it certainly got Littlefinger's attention. Uh, it Did seemed, it? Well, oh, we got. I, mo- I missed that. Yeah, he had like a like a bit of a. His eyes bugged out of his head. A little bit, a little bit, a little <laughs> bit. Um, it seems clear to me that this is a resource he's going to use, but the question is to what end? Could it be connected to the raven that Catelyn Stark's sister sent in season one? Uh, perhaps it was sent. Uh, raven was sent to hire an assassin to kill Bran. Uh, all these are crimes that could potentially link Littlefinger, um, which he may want to erase now that Bran's back in Winterfell. Hmm. I was coming at it from the other side, not erasing, but learning. Yeah. Well, because that's the thing. Um, these ravens, I doubt they like they were sent to Winterfell, so Master Lewin would have seen it. I mean, if there was something yeah. in there like uh, your sister sent a message, something about her doing the bidding of Littlefinger <laughs> and destabilizing the realm. I don't know. You read it. Yeah, uh, I don't I, have time for that. I don't think Just there's smoking it. guns in there, but also Littlefinger did certainly react to something there. Okay. So, uh, but but also there's a there's a person there that potentially knows everything about everything that could blow. There's so as I said, like I'm a little back on like well maybe we should respect Littlefinger, but boy he is really out on the thinnest of branches. Yeah, yeah, with Bran there, and it's half sawn through for sure. Um, but we'll we'll keep an eye on that, see what happens. Uh, Joy A. My question is an opening sequence. The clockwork of King's Landing still shows the stag sigil sigil of House Baratheon. It made sense when Joffrey and Tommen were kings, as they were believed to be Baratheons, but it's clear that the Lannisters sit at the Iron Throne now. Cersei never took the name Baratheon, and she's called Queen Cersei Lannister, first of her name. Gonna do the name game again, huh? Um, so why is King's Landing not have a line on the clockwork? Honestly, I'm disappointed, too. I've, I've the- read an article about this. Oh, enlighten um, me. And they essentially said that uh, they're disappointed in it as well. Okay, good, the production because... Crew. 
Okay, cool. And, and I think it's, it's an just oversight. an oversight. Yeah. Okay, because they were very smart about switching Winterfell to Bolton and back. Right. And now, like, the windows in the Great Hall have been replaced with the seven-sided star. They now have Lannister lions. So, like, okay. that. Okay, I'm glad to hear that yeah. it's an oversight because it is. It yeah. is. And um, I, I wish they could fix it. I, they act it, honestly. They act like it takes a million dollars to change the intro. You just got to change that one piece. I, we know what the trick is here, guys. Yeah, like I don't think it's a literal clockwork thing that some dude has. I think it's a render. Yeah. So how it is. hard is it to retexture it and re-render it? It can't be that I could do that. Like I, I don't know that it's too late to fix right now. Is what I'm saying. Right. Like why the right. fuck don't they just fix it? Yeah. Anyway. Uh, Suzanne H., uh, the thought just hit me since we didn't see Arya tonight. What do you think is the possibility that she's the Iron Banker? I know we want to see Jamie off <laughs> Cersei, but I'll take what I can get. Uh, I think it's low, because why the hell would Arya go through this whole charade yeah, of... Yeah, why let her out of that room? Yeah. like They're alone. She should have died. Yeah. She should have died. Um, but interestingly, I hadn't even considered it. And I probably should have with all those faces floating around. Well, that's the thing. I'm saying, no, we shouldn't. We should really calm down the face switching. <laughs> like, just because, again... Until they start abusing it, I guess, yeah. The mechanic exists in the world, but that doesn't mean everybody... I, and I, I have no interest in turning this into everybody, somebody else, face podcast. And I've already done it twice in the feedback <laughs> right. section, so... Uh, Joey from Virginia Beach. So after Sam cures Jorah of his uh, grayscale by removing his infected skin and applying an ointment, the Archmaester to Citadel mentions that only a small handful of maesters have ever successfully performed such a procedure. And we see that Jorah's cured body looks similar to that of a person with third-degree burn scarring. However, Stannis' daughter Shireen had her grayscale cured in an unknown way or possibly a combination of several different ways, and her face still had a large patch of cool lava skin look mm-hmm. that had been removed entirely from Jorah. This implies there's more than one cure for grayscale? Probably, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, didn't the Archmaester make that specific? Like, you know, Sam was trying to talk about different techniques, and he's like, well, do you, you know, that was a child versus a full-grown man. That was a initial yeah. stage versus an advanced stage. Like, I do think that... There are treatments for grayscale. Some of them might be as crude as hacking off your limb that's affected. Right. I think yeah. they can cure it, but once it's like all through your tor, it's like curing you know stage one cancer versus stage four, and it's metastasized and in your lymph nodes. It's like, yeah, you know. No, they made that explicit. They said you've waited a long time. You could have chopped the arm off or whatever. A- yeah. An episode ago. Right. Uh, Stephanie R. I understand why Euron would want to marry Cersei to become king. Obviously, being king of Westeros is a good gig, except for the whole everyone who is king kind of dying thing. However, I'm assuming Cersei's too old to give Euron any children at this point, so he'd have no heirs to the throne. Who would become king or queen of Westeros if he and Cersei were to die? Uh, I don't know that he's in it for the dynasty. The dynasty. I think he's in it for himself. Yeah, like I, if Euron, Euron might be one of those types, like those truly psychopathic types that think like when they close their eyes, the world disappears. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think he gives a shit. Yeah, about anything that happens after he dies or happened before he was born. Right, N- none of that. All he cares about is conquering, killing, and receiving the glory. Yep, yep. So, uh, and also, I just like. One of those two will betray each other before it becomes a dynasty. Yeah, is, for sure. Is, becomes part of the package. Uh, Audrey T. During the storming of Castle Rock, Casterly Rock, Tyrion quotes, give me ten good men and I'll pregnate the bitch, and attributes this line to a good friend, who yep. of course is Bronn. Um, and then it's a great throwback to the good old days that was dampened when I saw Bronn riding alongside Jamie in the way to Highgarden. 
Mm. What do you think will happen if the two inevitably inevitably meet up? Braun has admitted to liking Tyrion more than Jamie, but Jamie is Braun's meal ticket. Uh, what do you think in a scenario where Braun and Tyrion are back on the same side? Braun chooses the winning side. So whichever he perceives as the winning side. And once he gets loads of those a load of those dragons, he might he might turn on Jamie. Right. Especially since Jamie's doing been doing a lot of promising and not a lot of delivering. Yeah, as far as we've seen. Yeah. You know, he promised a better castle and a better wife, a prettier wife or whatever uh-huh. Uh-huh. Braun wanted. Uh-huh. I don't know that he's gotten those yet. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Braun is just amoral. Yeah. Like, if all of his amoral tendencies equal out, he'll go with his personal preference. But sure. if you like Braun, you're overlooking the fact that he has no code that he follows. No. Except for he wants to be the la- the one standing after the fight. So mm-hmm. uh, Tyrion's already been on the wrong side of that equation. It could happen again. It could happen to Jamie. Yep. So uh, I, I think I think you're right, Jim. Whoever, wh- whichever's got the higher percentage is going to be the one that gets his loyalty. Stefani K, have you seen the images released by HBO on the cure for grayscale? Uh, so this is something to do on their website where they have like you know just just in universe explanations for stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it detailed the scrolls that Sam said he was following, and it's talked about all the steps and the tools you use. Huh. And here yeah, is the it. unguent recipe that he followed. It's one. It's it's part pine resin, bark, beeswax, and olive oil. Stefani says, why does the cure for grayscale sound like salad dressing? Whatever happened to the ingestation of dragon glass that was hinted at the episode one of the season? I would like to know your thoughts. I I feel like it's talking about. We don't know that there's dragon glass in there. Apparently there's not. I mean, we, we, so what she's talking about is when you freeze framed on the books that he was reading, you saw half a page where is implying that obsidian had some medicinal properties right in episode one in episode one and people were saying oh well maybe that's going to be part of the cure for great and Mm -hmm. then we get you know again it does sound like some sort of salad dressing i don't know that that's so weird that they would pay they they would pay attention to that in the stuff that you have to pause and 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 blow up and read but then their official marketing material would then undercut that yeah, I mean, I guess I view it just as a nod to the book readers. Yeah, who maybe although that I'm a book reader and that nod meant nothing to me. Like I uh, obsidian being used for oh. medicine was yeah, that's nothing. Oh, to, I thought that was part. Oh, of Dude, we're so stuff. far past the fucking books now. Well, there's still relevant stuff. I thought that sure, was one sure. of the things. Yeah, but oh. yeah, I, I, there was no hint that it's it's got any kind of medicinal properties in the book. So I I was mm-hmm. like, oh, oh, this looks interesting. It looks like it's paid. Now the other thing is this marketing stuff. I don't know that the double D's see that as canon. Okay. So maybe yeah. obsidian as a medis- medicine will be back on the table. I assume the things yeah. actually shot in frame on a camera, even if you have to freeze frame them and blow it up, those are canon. They should but be. Who knows? Uh, Connor F. I honestly felt like Bran felt more like a kid who had been tripping acid for the last week and finally came home after <laughs> seeing uh, time is constantly happening and he can just go back and potentially fuck shit up. He felt very disconnected, and I wonder if the more he goes into the tree network, the more he stays behind, like Winnie Wargs. He went to a thousand years in the future and just had the sickest rave. <laughs> Bottom line, he reminds me of every douchebag in high school that discovered jam bands and acid. Call me the Blood Raven now. <laughs> uh, you're not. You're not wrong, Connor. You're not wrong. Yeah, uh, Colby. Curious if you discuss what happens to the whites if the White Walkers are killed. Uh, 
Do they, if all of the White Walkers are killed, the White Walkers are killed. Question. Do the Whites turn back to human, or do they do they, do they fall over? Do they turn to dust to become friendly zombies? No one knows because not all White Walkers know. have been killed. Yeah. So uh, you have a hypothesis. We will put it to the test. It'd be pretty smart of them if that's the case. Like if all the Whites just drop when they right. go down, to maybe leave one in the back. You know, maybe mm. don't leave all your generals up front, all your officers. But, but you know, a gloating based language implies a certain type of pigheadedness and that's refusing true. to 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 admit that you might be defeated or wrong. Um, I can see that that seems like a t- the type of fantasy trope that this show would le- lean on, like killing the Night King and then everything yeah. just explodes to dust. Um, Makes a lot of sense. I mean, they're animated by some magic. What is the source of that magic? Right. Can it be destroyed if it if can? If the children are all dead now and the Night's King is the last bit of it, then when he's gone, right? You know, surely you don't have to hunt down every last white, every last desiccated corpse oh, that's God. still r- drawing a rattling breath and, and, and kill it. That would make sense. Now, I'm... Doesn't have to be the case. Nothing in the book. Yeah. Like I said, and the books are like we are so far beyond the books as far as White Walker lore. It's yeah. pathetic. Mm-hmm. It's crazy how little we know about them in five books worth of information. So, mm-hmm. uh, Kelly, one quick observation, prediction. I hope doesn't come to fruition. Do you think Sansa is pregnant? Uh, no. no, no answer. No. Uh. Uh-uh. I mean, she could be. I would not be a fan of that plot line. I don't understand why. Having her being pregnant with Ramsey's rape baby would be interesting uh, from her character development, or like I, I think it's time for Sansa to rule. Yeah. Um. So no, I don't, I don't like, uh, uh, but it gets suggested all the time. So I just want to like once per season address it, deal with it, and ooh, no, it could happen. I don't want it to happen. I'm not going to talk about it unless it actually does happen. Okay. Unless I see a bump, I see yeah. a baby bump, then we can talk about it. Uh, Nick L. Obviously, not everyone believes John on uh, the existence of the White Walkers, but a couldn't it be a possibility to save humanity for John to suggest that everyone immigrate to Essos? The White Walkers don't exist. That's in a Essos, pretty big correct. ask, I think. Yeah. Hey guys, I know we got awesome castles. And Plus, like half the fleet and... of the entire continent has been burnt. <laughs> right. But uh, so here's the deal. Just as a precaution, yeah. maybe maybe you pack up everything you own and you move to another continent. Right. <laughs> uh, so there's a couple deals here. Number one, all the different prophecies, like the prince that was promised, the stallion that mounts the world, the uh, Azor Ahai, mm-hmm. the last hero, these are all from very different cultures spanning the globe. It's like saying uh, the, I, the when the Ice Age came, the glaciers were only a problem for North America. Uh-huh. Super not true. Uh-huh. If the long night comes, it's eventually going to affect. Like Essos might not get it right away, but it's my understanding that eventually the whole globe will freeze and there will be no humans left because the White yeah. Walkers will hunt them down and kill them all. Like, no, like even the equator won't be safe. So, uh, no, fleeing to Essos would not buy you anything but the sm- smallest bit of time. Uh, Jennifer C., do you think there's a chance that we will get scenes from the White Walkers' perspective to understand them better? We know that they are the real threat to Westeros and more important than the Game of Thrones, but I'm still having trouble understanding what exactly they want. I'm unclear whether they're robot things whose programming from the Children of Forest went awry and now they're just killing machines or whether they have their own goals or world domination or something specific. I think it'd be cool to see a scene about them from their own perspective to explain more about their motives. Uh, I mean, you're not wrong. Uh, it's it's very common to note that, that George Martin very rarely deals in absolutes and good or evil. And to the extent that the White Walkers, if they never get more character development, they 
already are kind of that pure evil, pure malevolent force. So one argument could be like, well, it's about time we get one. And the other argument is like, well, we'll see a side of them that we don't know yet. So they're, if they're not sympathetic, they might, and they, they might, we might understand mm-hmm. at least what they want. Yeah, I think we're set up to get those through Bran. Um, I think he could potentially just be, you know, that uh, an observer, right? Um, for events in the past, uh, maybe you know, we go back to why a, a little bit more of like why they more like expounding more on why they were created. I know we already kind of know the base reason for it, mm. but like what happened shortly after that, you know, the, the right. we know that there was a war fought. We know that at some point they got uh out of control. Mm-hmm. Um but maybe they were he be- could they were also that. beaten back. Right, right. And they got under control again. Uh-huh. Um but maybe we could see that through Brand's perspective. I don't yeah. think we'll ever get I know we have got scenes of just purely white walkers like that baby scene, right? Mm-hmm. Where they took the baby back and turned it into a White Walker. I think those are going to be few and far between. It's probably going to be more through Bran. There is some tantalizing hints of their humanity. The fact that they wear mm-hmm. clothes. The fact that they have the geometric shapes that are important to them. The fact that he did the whole double arm raise, come at me, bro, to John. Like, uh-huh. Yeah, know. they have a culture. I just don't know much about it yet. So I guess the question is, and the other thing is, I think, Jennifer, you seem adventuresome enough to join us in the spoiler section. Because it's not like I got a lot more to talk about, but like I'm kind of handcuffed on what I can and cannot say on this podcast. So okay. uh, maybe, maybe you would be a good a good candidate for joining us over there. Uh, Eric V, did Tyrion imply that his father built Casterly Rock and that he Tyrion designed the sewers? I remember he was in charge of them when he was younger, but I thought the castle had been around for like a million years. Yeah, that was ambiguous. Uh, Casterly Rock's been around for a long time. In fact. Um, the name Casterly Rock implies that uh, it wasn't always Lannister. Uh, in fact, the, the legend goes that uh, Land the Clever uh, tricked the Casterlies out of the rock somehow through some kind of, uh, I don't know. Like the Millennium Falcon. Multi-level a, marketing scheme. A Sabic game. Yeah. Got him, got him selling LuLaRoe. Uh, uh, they went bankrupt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, I, think, I think when he's saying he rebuilt the house, it's more like, Successive generations of Lannisters had run it into the ground, uh, including Father uh, Tywin's father, Titus, mm-hmm. and he rebuilt it. Like he he found that brick and left it marble, but he didn't he didn't renovate the shitters, okay, and the the yeah. sewers. So no, he didn't he didn't build Casterly Rock. But it, it's it's because like I said, I'm 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 kind of bummed the way they visualize Casterly Rock. The fact is, it's, it seems like it's just another it's a whitewashed castle. Uh-huh. Um, but I don't know. But in this universe, you could also uh, maybe maybe he did maybe he he did build what is known now known as Castle Rock. I don't know. No maybe, one does. It's, yeah. it's like it, the double to the. I know in the first few seasons, the, the the Blu-rays had these like really cool charcoal drawing featurettes about the history of Westeros, mm-hmm. and they went in the land the clever and all that. And I think that was even read by Charles Dance. So I know the Double Ds are aware of this history, okay. but whether they decide to f- keep with it or not. Um, but I also think, don't you think that Tyrion's that like that I'm not completely crazy that you could you could read that into Tyrion's statement that it's not like he built the castle, but he yeah rebuilt it from a place of kind of ruin or disrepair. Yeah, it's it's like the song, you know, they didn't literally build the city on rock and roll, right? But they built the city on rock and roll, right? And it has a traffic report in the middle of the song about the city's traffic 
of rock and roll. Does rock, it? rock and I, roll I traffic jams. That. You don't remember that? Uh-uh. Well, it's better better left not discussed then. Uh, and that's feedback for the week. Okay. Uh, if you'd like to send more, um, Game of Thrones at baldmove.com. Uh, of course, you can always talk to your fellow fans on the forums at forums.baldmove.com. Uh, follow everything that we do at baldmove.com or on social media, facebook.com slash baldmove, uh, Twitter at baldmove, Instagram at baldmove. Uh, and yeah, we are not done this week, though. We will be back with the spoiler section on Friday. Again, we are not uh, trafficking in uh, production spoilers. So if you've been avoiding listening to that just for that reason, uh, spoilers, we do not cons- – the production spoilers and the leaks uh, is, is is not what's uh, considered. In fact, it's it's really constrained our speculation, mm-hmm. which sucks. Like this leaking shit has really diminished my – it hasn't diminished my enjoyment of the series, but it has made my life as a podcaster that's trying to be ignorant of all that stuff tougher. And it's it sucked a little bit of the feedback joy from me. Yeah, wish we lived in a world that's, that's not leaked, but unfortunately we don't. Like I said in the uh, housekeeping section, there's it's getting worse. Yeah, no, even more leaks, hacks, and all kinds yeah. of things. Whole episodes are being stolen. So yeah. be Scripts very and... careful out there. Uh, you know, I actually saw almost saw a big spoiler from the fucking Facebook. Just shared something from the next episode, uh, like just just a naked spoiler from the leak. Yeah. Uh, it's, and I don't even. That's don't not even, what our group is for. There's no. a lot of places out there that you can go to for right. production spoilers. That's not what we're doing. Yep, exactly. So we'll see you here uh, Friday for the spoiler section. Uh, if everything goes planned, we'll have uh, we'll have a guest um, oh, from yeah. from the insider actually. Uh, Kim Renfro is joining us to talk about. her She's favorite. got all the leaks. She's got all the leaks. <laughs> she's bringing them. She's it's it's <laughs> and she's going to play the reins of Castamere as she <laughs> as she signs off of of, of Skype. Uh, uh, but that's going to be fun. Uh, we sh- we did a couple panels together down at the Con of Thrones, and uh, she's really sharp and she 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 likes the fun theories like I do. So I thought we'd have a little 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 conversation. Maybe we'll do some more stuff with her. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, until then, I'm Aaron and I'm Jim. See you Friday. <laughs>